Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live, here's Mike Gill. Well, it's about that time. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show. He's actually off listening to Nick Sirianni. Howie Roseman just spoke at the Combine. Sirianni talking now. We'll have some of the best audio from both of those pressers throughout the show today. It's a busy... Tuesday. I was just making sure it's Tuesday. I forgot what day it was. There's so much in my head going on right now. How's everybody doing out there? Live inside the Ocean Casino Studios. We take you till 6 o'clock tonight. Sixers basketball. They're taking on the uh, Celtics tonight. And the Flyers are down in Tampa. So we'll get into both of those teams Frank Close's Phillies mailbag is back at 3 o'clock. If you have a Phillies question for Frank, you have all hour to text it in to 609-403-0973. We'll uh, get some Phillies questions for Frank. He has been answering them for the website, of course, over at 973ESPN.com. So, again, if you have a Phillies question for Frank Close, hit us up. On the text board, and we'll ask Frank coming up at 3 o'clock today on the Sports Bash. You know, Phil's in action today. Uh, Christopher Sanchez got the start. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not much um, of substance in the lineup today. Trey Turner was in the lineup. He hit leadoff today. But no Schwarber in the lineup, so you can't really read too much into that, right? Like the other day where Schwarber was in the lineup, and he hit fourth, and Turner was in the lineup, and he hit leadoff today. You have Turner hitting leadoff, Bryson Stott, Christian Pache hitting third, Derek Hall, uh, Weston Wilson, Jake Cave, Scott Kingery, interestingly enough, is out in right field, Garrett Stubbs and Rodolfo Castro. Christopher Sanchez pitched uh, two innings, Bellotti came in, and now Dylan uh, Covey is in the game, and uh, we'll keep our eyes on the Phils, who, by the way, throwing a shutout down there in Fort Myers today. I had a couple buddies who were down in Fort Myers yesterday. Um, you know, it was in Fort Myers today, actually. I got a text message from uh, my old producer, Pete G. His parents are down in Fort Myers watching the Phils today on a beautiful day down there for uh, spring training baseball. You know what I like, Josh? Uh, actually, you're listening to the press conference. Go ahead. You don't have to listen to my nonsense over here. So I woke up this morning. Like, and These are the things that I enjoy, okay? Like, you do this show... Some people like you, some people don't like you, but you wonder like if some of the things you do resonate with people, right? Does it connect? Does it hit? Do people like appreciate the show? Like some of the things we're trying to do for people. And I got up this morning and I got a text message on the text board from someone who says, Mike, can you recommend a place in Clearwater to check out Phillies games on Saturday? 
says he has four tickets Friday, but the Saturday game sold out. And he was wondering if I could recommend a place for him to watch the game in Clearwater. And it's at that moment that I say, you know what? Maybe we're doing something right with this show. Maybe people are listening, and maybe people do get it from time to time, right? Not everybody dislikes you, and everybody just thinks you're, you know, everything's miserable. Because generally, when people react or engage, it's negative reaction and engagement. Very few times do you get like, hey, I listen, and I really want your advice. So that put me off on a good start today. I got off on a good start because I was like, this guy listens and really values my opinion on where to go in Clearwater for a Phillies game. So I gave the guy uh, a couple of options. I actually told him on Saturday. So tickets might be sold out, but if you get to Baycare Ballpark early enough, you could probably get berm tickets. Like you can just buy tickets that are um, for the grass in the outfield, and that's all you really need to do is just get in, bring a blanket with you or a, a towel, and sit on the grass in the outfield, and you're fine. I mean, you don't need to spend money on a seat at spring training. I, I don't know, um, you know, if you like are somebody like me. I like to walk around the ballpark. I don't really like to sit in the seat the whole time for a spring training game. I mean, I'm only at spring training just because I love the atmosphere. I don't really need to watch the game. Uh, so much. I mean, I don't. I mean, today actually, there are guys pitching that are interesting. I, I, I'm watching spring training more, like for the pitchers. Um, the hitters are up there just kind of getting swings in, but the pitchers, you know, spring training. One of the managers the other day said, you know, spring training should only be two weeks, and I was like, bite your tongue, dude. <laughs> it's the only sport where spring training games have never been questioned. Right? Like football, it's like, all right, we don't need these exhibition games. We need to get over with these things. I don't think anybody actually pays attention to the NBA's preseason or the NHL's preseason. They both play like four or five games, and it's like, all right, we're getting to the season. Baseball still plays a month of games before the season starts. Think about that. They have an entire month of games that don't matter before the season starts. And nobody ever says, why are we playing so many games, right? No one's like, how come baseball still plays a month worth of, worth of games before the season starts? And I wouldn't want it any other way. It's the only preseason that, like, has a home. Think about that. These teams live in Florida or Arizona for over a month and a half before the season actually begins. It's a great concept. So thank you for that text message this morning. It made my day, and uh, we started off there. Now, we're going to start off with a couple of other things. As we look at uh, Sports Bash Tuesday, uh, Roseman said he looked forward to being aggressively going after players for the 2024 season. That, to me, from what I heard from Roseman, I missed like the first two, three minutes of Roseman. But what I heard, he said he looks forward to aggressively go after players for the 2024 season. I have said all along, and somebody asked him the question, actually. Since Vic Fangio is a more veteran coordinator, does he get more say? And how he joked, well, he thinks he does. I think the answer to the question is, of course he does. Vic Fangio and Howie Roseman's answer today should be on the same page. 
I look forward to aggressively go after players for the 2024 season because I got Vic Fangio, an actual real veteran coach, telling me if I don't, there's going to be problems. You know, I'm not saying that Vic Fangio is going to start a revolt, but I do think he will strongly consider telling Howie Roseman some of the players that he is interested in. Hey, I have a history with this guy and this guy and this guy and these guys I don't have interest in. These guys here I don't know much about, but I know they can fit my system. Now, you might say, shouldn't all coaches do that? I think they should, and they probably do. I don't know enough of them have enough clout to actually bang the table for it. Sean Desai, I don't think, walks into Howie Roseman and says, get me my guys. I think Vic Fangio can say, you want me here? You better get me some of the guys that are going to make my defense work. Now, one question that Howie Roseman was asked today, and I thought he gave a pretty convincing answer. He was asked about James Bradbury, whether or not, you know, he said last year you played him in the slot a little bit. Is that an option for this year? And he's got this contract. Is he going to be here? And Roseman says, no, he's an outside guy. And he's like, he's under contract. He'll be here next year. It wasn't one of these things like, hey, you know, anything can happen. You know, we want him back. It was, he's under contract and he's going to be here next year. So when I hear that answer to that question, I have to evaluate in my mind, do the Eagles think James Bradbury had a down year because he's lost a step? Or do the Eagles think James Bradbury had a down year because he didn't really care for the defense that he was in? And that's not a fair reason. Like, I don't care that you don't like the defense. Be a professional and go play. Guess what? People are human. And if he didn't quite see eye-to-eye with Sean Desai, maybe he just was like, you know what, I don't like the way you're using me and my play might not look all that good. You know why? Because I have another year left on my contract, whether you like it or not. What are you going to do? I'm getting $9 million next year. Not professional, not suggesting that he was a non-professional. But we have heard a lot about, you know, the report that the Inside the Birds guys had about two, three weeks ago that there were players on the defense that didn't even talk to Desai. They didn't see eye-to-eye with the defense. Is James Bradbury one of those players? I mean, it's felt pretty strongly that Bradbury had to be one of the guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're trying to, by process of elimination, go through what guys could possibly have said these things that, like, they didn't talk to the coordinator. I mean, it feels like there's only, like, one guy it could be, and that's James Bradbury. So does Vic Fangio look at James Bradbury as an asset to this team, and does Howie Roseman look at Vic um, James Bradbury as an asset to this team? Does he look at Bradbury as a player who played really poorly last year, but we know will be much better this season? And I don't know how anybody knows the answer to that question, but maybe they have more insight inside that building as to why Bradbury didn't appear to be very good last year. 609-403-0973 on the text board. Another thing that both Nick Sirianni and 
Howie Roseman addressed was the Hassan Reddick stuff. I think Roseman danced around that question a couple times. He didn't have a lot to uh, that he wanted to add to that. Like, hey, we want him to be back here, and we hope everything works out. Sirianni said, we'll see how that plays out, but hopefully he's an eagle. There was no kind of like definitive answer on, hey, Reddick will be here whether, you know, we have to figure something out or not. Like, we want, like, it wasn't a strong endorsement. Roseman said, I don't think the door is shut on a return when it comes to uh, Hassan Reddick. This is how he answered the question regarding Reddick and that whole contractual situation. This, uh, Hassan, obviously, unbelievable player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, local kid, great success story, Camden Temple, Philly. Um, love having Hassan. I think that, you know, anything that you're trying to do, um, you're trying to blend, obviously, what you're trying to do this year and, and how you're going to look in the future. And I think that's the hardest job. But um, certainly, you know, don't want to get into any specifics with any conversations with players, but have tremendous respect for the player and the person. So what you're trying to do now and for the future is essentially where he went with that. Um, you know, I think the Reddick thing is puts him in a tough situation because I understand where the organization is, what they think, where Reddick is in his career, what they've gotten for Reddick at the price that he's been on in the last two years. It's like, hey, we got you at a value. We don't want to now have to pay more when we've already got you for the value. You would say, well, why not? The guy deserves a raise. And the team is saying, yeah, but we might have got his best two years out of him so far. So the difficult part, you know, is what you're trying to do now and then the future is what Roseman said, right? Trying to blend now and the future. They want Hassan Reddick for the last year of his deal. They originally signed him for three years because they wanted him here for three years. The problem is... They might not want to pay him for year four, five, and six. So that's something that I think needs to be figured out. A couple other combine takeaways from, let's start with Roseman first, because I didn't hear a lot of Sirianni. I heard like the first half of Sirianni. Josh has been listening to the back half of Sirianni. He, he kind of carried past the two o'clock hour. But Roseman, you know, he said he loved having Reddick. So that's, I think, was one of the takeaways. He mentioned Nolan Smith, by the way, and he says he has all the tools and all that stuff. They need to get more out of Nolan Smith this year. There has to be a role for Nolan Smith on this team. You can't have a first-round pick collecting dust on the sideline for a second year in a row. So you better hope that he has all the right tools, and those tools actually work. And I don't know whose snaps he's taking where he kind of fits in, but you drafted Nolan Smith for a reason with some sort of role in mind. He needs to show that role is worth where you drafted him in the first round. I talked about the James Bradbury stuff that he's still viewed as an outside corner, but the other thing that Roseman mentioned is that he needs to do a better job at finding better pieces. And he's right. I talked about this yesterday, I think, with Mosher on Football at Four. This team made trade after trade after trade, and all those trades resulted in, like, Tay Gowan and Mac McCain and, like, just taking a swing on somebody that can play corner. Well, so far, none of them have hit, right? None of them. And I think it's fair. Like, hey, I'm not a Roseman hater. I think Roseman's done a great job, but he has made mistakes, and he has his weaknesses, and finding corners in the draft has been a weakness for him. And that needs to end with the amount of age and money problems they have in that secondary. 
609-403-0973 is the text board. A couple Sirianni thoughts from what I did here before I had to jump on the air here is they was asked about Hurts, and he said, like, there is no book on how to lead a team. And he's right about that. Although people write all these books about, like, hey, what it's like to be a leader, how to be a great leader. These are just people's opinions who in somewhere in life have been viewed as a leader, so they wrote a book about it. That doesn't mean that book is hard and fast. Sirianni is right. There isn't just one way to lead, but whatever way Hertz was using didn't seem to connect. So that might mean the way that he's using isn't the only way. He might need to adjust it a little bit. And I'm not telling him to buy some book and read How to Be a Leader, but maybe he does need to let his guard down a little bit more. That's something Sirianni you know, insinuated that he needs to lead how he leads needs to lead. And I don't know what that really means, but I think that is code word for maybe Jalen leads one way and A.J. Brown, for instance, because he said he's a great teammate. He's a great person. That's why he wears the C. He mentioned that A.J. Brown's a great leader. So there are different ways to lead, the Jalen Hurts way and the A.J. Brown way. The other thing that he talked about was Kellen Moore and, you know, the way that they're going to kind of blend this offense together. And I thought that is something that kind of stood out a little bit, too, is that they are going to kind of blend this offense and you'll see, like, elements from Kellen Moore. But he didn't. he did stop short of saying, like, my offense is out the door. We're getting rid of that. So I'm interested to see how that all kind of works out. And we'll talk more about what Adam Kaplan uh, says about it coming up today at 4 o'clock for Football at 4. Jeff Kerr, we'll talk to him from CBS Sports to get his takeaways on everything that uh, I was kind of surprised from my knowledge. I didn't hear the beginning of Roseman or the end of Sirianni. But it didn't sound like those two guys were asked a lot about the Dom DeSandro stuff, right? Did you hear anything about that, Josh? Now that you've listened to both uh, Roseman and Sirianni, I heard most I just, of Roseman yeah. and half of Sirianni. And I just re-listened to Howie to get the audio we're going to use. No questions about the Derek Gunn report. So that's the first thing. Now, at one point, Howie did make a joke about Big Dom because apparently nearby John Lynch was doing his I did hear too. that, but I thought that was like had nothing to do with the Big Dom no, stuff. Had nothing to do with it. Yeah, that I was mean, the only time Big Dom was. He mentioned said he was by distracted anyone. by something, and like I guess Big Dom was like over in his eye, his vision, yeah. and he was like, "What are you doing?" Uh, like, uh, but zero questions about the Derek Gunn report. None at all. No, nothing about that. Also, nothing regarding the fact that your wide receiver called into a radio station. Well, they did. I mean, they did ask about they, Brown, but it wasn't right. like, hey, are you guys okay with the fact? Like, I didn't hear how that was presented. You know, the way it was presented was they basically asked Sirianni about. They didn't ask Howie. They asked Sirianni. Okay, about, so I missed. Uh, I didn't hear him ask Howie, and I I didn't hear the, way the question here. I've just heard that yeah. Sirianni talked about AJ, right? But not really understanding how the the question was not a, specifically about. A.J. Brown calling into that radio station, it was about, you know, hey, you know, talk to us about A.J. Brown saying that he's a leader. 
you know, basically was the question to Syria, and that's when he went on that mini rant about, you know, leaders come in all shapes and sizes and everybody's different. And yeah. AJ is a, you know, one of the things Sirianni says is there's a reason why AJ has that C on his chest. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things that I did hear him kind of imply that, hey, Jalen leads one way, AJ's the other way. Yep. But that's why, you know, he's one of the best leaders on our team. That's why he's the captain of this thing. And Sirianni went on to say, he said, look, you know, we all love Mike Quick, he says, but you, he said, you could argue AJ Brown may go down as the best receiver in Eagles history. I don't know that that's even. Debatable, debatable at this point. I mean, T.O. was only here really the one season. Right. Um, A.J. Brown has had over 1,400 yards two straight years. But if I can say it really quick, Mike, to me, I thought it was very interesting that Sirianni brought that because he was bringing it up in a way to tell the, the reporters at the – like, look, guys, this guy is a great player. Well, this is Nick Sirianni on A.J. Brown. AJ, like I've been telling you guys for a long time, not only is he, you know, one of the best players I've ever been around, um, he's also one of the best leaders, and what you know, and he's going to do anything he can do to stick up for for his for his teammates. Um, that's why I'm, that's why he wears a, a C on his chest, um, and I think that. You know, if you're speculating, well, hey, what, is, what does it mean if he's yelling over here? Like, everybody doesn't – there's some people that when you're when you're leading them, you yell at them. And there's some people when you're leading them, you put your arm around them. And there's some people, there's somewhere in the middle. And like- he's so right about that. Like, that's something, like, nobody – I think anybody should be surprised about or debate. Like, Sirianni is absolutely right about this. Like – you coach everybody differently. And I saw the report today, and I don't know how I feel about it. You know, that Sirianni, like some of the players say they treated people differently. Well, of course they do. Like, you Michael Jordan treat gets treated the, the same. same way as Steve Kerr. Yeah. Right? I mean, Dennis Rodman got treated special. That, that's, a, that's a frivolous thing to say. Yeah, I, I don't, like, put there's, a lot of... There's nowhere in life where you sit there and say you got to treat everyone exactly the same. Yeah, I, I don't put a lot of, like, ugh. Well, that's a bad look for you. So, but like what he just said right there, like there are some players on the team that are okay getting yelled at. Like you ever, like I coach youth sports. Some of the parents are like, yell at my kid. Make sure you like, don't let him. And others are like, oh, you can't yell at my kid. Like, don't do that to him. And you're like, all right. So you pick and choose like. The juggling act. Yeah. Like some Kids can handle it. Some, not so much. Same as when they're professionals. And keep in mind, many of these professionals are 22 and 23 years old. They're kids. They might be professionals making a lot of money, but that doesn't mean their intellect is at the same um, spot in life as a 40-year-old person. They're they're still 22-year-old kids. They just happen to be making a lot of money. So you've got to handle them all differently. So I have no problem with what Nick Sirianni said in that in that bite right there about AJ Brown. Yeah, it goes back to I was I was reading Peter King's final column last night, Mike, and one of the stories he tells in there is about how there was a point where Steve Young thought about quitting football. Like he was getting to the and he you know, Steve Young had to basically be chewed out by people to be like, Do you understand the opportunity you have? Do you understand, you know, what is sitting in front of you that is in your grasp? And he said, you know, if people didn't lay into him his, his, you know, his, his good friends and his coaches from his past, that he would have never gotten to the point with a six Super Bowl, a six touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Well, there's a lot to unpack from the two uh, press conferences today. I, I don't 
think that they walloped you over the head with stuff today. There are some nuggets we can take and that are certainly conversation starters. We'll talk about them. We got some nuggets to tell us. Nick's not here today. Yeah, we got five from Danny Rye, though. Is that a five piece? That's a good question. Danny Rye, 425, Adam Kaplan. Five piece or a five pack? It would be a five piece. They're all pieces. They're all Like when you go to McDonald's, you get a a six piece nugget Mm -hmm. or a 12 piece. It's not a pack. That's true. Unless it's a four. That's, there you go. Then a four pack. So, so, so Everything over four is a piece. So are packs even numbers and pieces odd numbers? That I don't know. That I don't know. But for whatever reason, it's a four pack and then a six piece or a 12 piece. These are the frivolous questions I think of in my spare time. It's okay. If you have a frivolous Phillies question for Frank Close, you can text it in now at 609 403 I see some Phillies questions coming in. So we'll uh, ask your Phillies questions for Frank coming up at 3 o'clock today. Adam Kaplan, more on the Eagles for football at 4. He's at the Combine, by the way. Uh, Five from Danny Rye. The big three tonight. Jeff Kerr on the NFL. That's all today on the Sports Bash. Plus, in 30 minutes from now, listen for that sounder. You have a chance to enter to win a trip to go see the Phillies and the Orioles at Camden Yards in Baltimore thanks to Philly Sports Trips. Kia. It's for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 231 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. Frank Close, Phillies mailbag coming up in a half an hour. If you have a Phillies question for Frank, you can text it in at 609-403-0973. Phil's down in uh, Fort Myers today, taking on the Twins. Uh, one nothing Phils. Trey Turner has an hit in an RBI. Bryson Stott with a base hit. And the other hit was from uh, Rodolfo Castro. Phillies pitching has shut the Twins out. And that is Sanchez, Pilati, Cove, Ruiz, and Kirkering, who uh, threw an inning, had a strikeout. So the first Kirkering sighting of the offseason, or of the uh, spring season, I should say. You know my feeling on Kirkering. I, for one, think Kirkering is going to lead the team in saves this year. I think he'll be the one that gets the most saves out of all the Phillies. Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Uh, the Sixers play tonight against the Celtics. I, I feel like um, the measuring stick of this game is just not there, obviously, with no Joel and Bede. Um, so I don't know what to make of the game tonight. I will watch. I'm, I'm going to be like, all right, well, let me get into the game. I'm going to give them a shot here. I'm not writing the season off, although I don't have a lot of expectations. I'm hopeful that Joel and Bede returns to the team, right? But in the meantime and in between time, they got to give me something. And so far, they've given me nothing. 
And the game tonight, you can listen to on 97.3 ESPN. I will say this. Uh, Jaden Springer, who got traded to the Celtics, he is now the second Sixer who has been asked, Pat Bev is the other one, about the difference in playing for the Sixers and playing for the a different team. And he mentioned, what's the? he was asked the question, what's the biggest difference between the Sixers and the Celtics? This is what Springer said when asked that question in preparation for tonight's game. Here's more, um, I feel like it's more read and react. You know, uh, you're going out there um, playing based off each other, playing based off your teammates. So you're just reading what everybody else is doing. It's not really set. We have to do this. We have to do that. So just going out there and just pooping and playing basketball. I don't know that that's an answer. Like, listening to Pat Bev, I feel like, all right, Pat Bev is talking just to talk. Listening to Springer, I think he was like, you asked me a question that I really don't have an answer to. So I think all this talk of like, well, I don't know that the Sixers want to win or that they're really trying to win or that the front office wants to win or any of that stuff. I don't know that I feel that that's accurate. I think the Sixers tried to do something without Joel Embiid and then got to a moment where Embiid got hurt, but if he comes back, this team here is better than the team we had before Embiid got hurt. And whether Pat Bev wants to believe that or not, and Jaden Springer wasn't helping this team out at all, Springer sounded like a guy that didn't really have an answer to the question. So let's take a look at this real fast. Tonight, the Celtics and the Sixers. I wanted to kind of jump into uh, Keith Pompey uh, posted on his Twitter today, you know, the Eastern Conference standings flow. Well, here's the flow. Sixers are a game up on the Heat and a game up on the Pacers and a game and a half up on Orlando. And I've said this the last two days. I'll say it again. I have a hard time thinking the Sixers are going to hold off all three of those teams. Miami's won four straight. Indiana and Orlando both lost. I have a hard time, though, thinking that Philadelphia is going to be able to keep that spot. They're a five seed right now. They're playing Boston tonight. So let's just play along. Boston wins the game tonight. Orlando's playing Brooklyn. I'll play along. Let's say Orlando wins. Orlando's now a half game behind you if that happens. Let's say New York beats New Orleans tonight. The Knicks are two and a half up on you. If you lose tonight and they win, they're now three and a half up on you. So you are falling further from home court advantage even in a first-round matchup, and you're getting closer to the play-in game with a loss. Milwaukee plays tonight. Well, they're like three and a half games up on you now. So if they win tonight, now they're four and a half games up on you. Miami plays tonight. They're out in Portland. Portland not very good. In fact, at 15 and 41, they've lost eight straight. They're one of the worst teams in the league. So let's just say Miami wins the game tonight. If that happens, you're now tied with uh, with Miami. So tonight, just a, a little random Tuesday night in February. Is that what we have here, people? A Tuesday night in February? That's what we have. But it's an actual interesting night. Now, it's interesting because... Yes, if you lose to Boston tonight without Joel Embiid, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you just can't beat Boston. And look, I think Boston's a better team than you, no question. But we've said and maintained all season long. One of the things about Philadelphia and Boston that is interesting this time around, you know, before you could say that the two starting lineups were kind of equal, 
The Sixers, like, when their starters went mano a mano with Boston, they were okay. It's when they had to go to the bench. And I think Philadelphia might say, well, we're deeper than Boston if Joel Embiid's playing. But Boston's the more top-heavy team overall. Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Porzingis, plus Horford coming off the bench, that team right there is probably a heavy favorite against you in a playoff series. So I don't know what you learned from the game tonight on Tuesday night in February, but here's what I do know is the standings are suggesting you don't want to be playing from behind when we get to a Tuesday night in March because you will not have a full roster. So the more times you start losing games without Joel Embiid, the less opportunity you will have to have a really solid playoff opportunity with Joel Embiid. That's the big thing for me, is if Embiid comes back, where are you in the standings? Are you top four? Okay, I get first round at home, and then in the second round I might have to go to Cleveland. Or I might have to go to Milwaukee. But if you're five, six, seven, eight, play in some one of those teams, you're on the road in the first round. And that's with or without Joel Embiid, I'm not sure that you're just flat out better. Like, if they lose tonight and Miami wins, you're tied with Miami. They play again on Friday against Charlotte. Now, Charlotte stinks out loud, 15 and 42. You should probably be able to beat Charlotte. But if you don't, like, you're in play-in game. The next thing you know, you want to play a play-in matchup where you're locked up with Indiana in the first round in a play-in game? This is going to be interesting, though. Atlanta is without Trey Young for a while now, right? At least four weeks. So they're three games up on the Brooklyn Nets for the final spot in the play-in. Can Brooklyn work their way into the play-in? Can Toronto work their way into the play-in? They're the only two. Charlotte is 10 games out of a playoff berth. They're not making the playoffs or a play-in. Washington is 16 games out, and Detroit is is 17 games out. So none of those teams. Charlotte, Washington, and Detroit are, are not making it. Brooklyn and Toronto have a shot. But if you are in the play-in situation, the way it works is if you're the 7, you would play the 10. If you're the 8, you would play the 9. If you fall to the 8 spot, do you feel good about being in an 8-9 matchup? And then let's say you lost that game, and then you have to play the loser of the other game just to become the 7 or the 8 seed. So they've got to try to keep afloat, and playing Boston tonight doesn't help the situation. That's all. 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. So that's what's coming up tonight right here on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, Sixers, Celtics, Flyers play Tampa tonight, by the way. And I do want to flip over real quick just to kind of give you some updates on that because the Flyers have not played well the last uh, two games. Well, they scored six goals the other night. It's not fair to say they didn't play well. But this is a big game tonight in terms of the landscape of the playoff situation because right now Philadelphia is a playoff team. They're the third team in the Metro, four points up on uh, Washington, who has now passed New Jersey. But it's a big game because the wild card standings, Tampa Bay is ahead of you. So if you fell out of that third spot, you would be out of the playoffs altogether. So right now they're in because they have an automatic third spot Metro. But if they lose 
tonight and get passed by Washington, who are only four points behind you. So obviously Washington can't pass you tonight. But if you fall out of that third spot and move into wild card spot, Tampa Bay, who you play tonight, is ahead of you in the in the standings. So you would be a non-playoff team in that scenario. Tampa Bay has 69 points. Detroit has 70 points. So just keep that in mind when you're listening. And that game tonight, by the way, is on our sister station, Rock 1041. You can listen to the Flyers and the Lightning on Rock 1041. That's a 7 o'clock over here on 97.3 ESPN. It's the Sixers and the Celtics. And, of course, you can hear all the action with Tom McGinnis at 7 o'clock on 97.3 ESPN. We're keeping our eyes on the Phils as well as they are down in uh, Fort Myers today, uh, leading 3 to nothing. So they just got a little something-something going there. We'll update you on that as uh, somebody went yard. And it's a very interesting name. The guy who hit the home run is a very interesting name that the Phillies brought in from another organization that kind of went under the radar and has made an all-star game in recent years. That's what I'll tell you. I'll give you that update coming up next here on the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. I told you uh, a Philly that they picked up in free agency, very under the radar. I might even be a non-roster invitee who made the All-Star game in 2019. It wasn't all that long ago that David Dahl made the All-Star team for the Colorado Rockies. Yes, he was an All-Star. He hit 302 with 15 homers, 61 RBI that season with a 353 on base percentage. Wasn't that long ago that he was an actual All-Star player in Colorado. He's had some injury issues. Bounced around, has been in Colorado, Texas, San Diego. Last year was hurt. And the Phillies, kind of an under-the-radar pickup. Now, he's a guy who bats left. Could he be in battle for a roster spot with Jake Cave? Could he be a guy that just has a spring training out of nowhere and the Phillies say, hey, this guy was an all-star a couple of years ago and end up like, we'll keep him over Cave? I don't know about that. I mean, a couple of years ago in Texas, he played 63 games, 210, uh, four homers. Not a big power guy. In 2018 in Colorado, he hit 16 homers and uh, hit 273. Those numbers are fine in 77 games. In 100 games in 2019, he made the All-Star game, uh, hit 302 with a 353 on base, hit 1500. But he went yard today, just kind of throwing that out there for you. He, he went yard to give the Phillies a uh, three nothing lead. The pitching's been outstanding by the way. Kirk Green just finished up and uh, Michael Mercado is uh, pitching now and he actually just finished up uh, through an inning and had three strikeouts struck out the side 
down there uh, in Philly's uh, spring training Clearwater. Got Frank Close's Philly's mailbag coming up in 10 minutes from now. If you have a Philly's question, you know what's funny? We asked for Philly's questions. We have some people texting in. Multiple people have texted in the same question about the same player. Interesting. And I will say this. The player that they've texted in and asked about is a guy that will likely not make the 26-man roster. Are you intrigued? (laughs) Are you intrigued by, or do you know who it is? Oh, I don't know who it is, but I'm definitely intrigued. Gotcha. Yeah. So multiple people, uh, if you have a question for Frank in the mailbag, 609-403-0973. You can text in. We're going to try to do that more with Frank. He asks questions that people ask. People ask questions that Frank solicits on Twitter X, but... And we answer those on the show, and they're on the website. You can go check those out, the, the ones that people post on social media for him. But we will, throughout the season, when Frank comes on to do the mailbag, we will ask the listeners out there in the 2 o'clock hour, if you have questions for Frank, text them in, 609-403-0973. And then when Frank comes on at 3 o'clock, he can answer your questions. Multiple people have asked about this player who likely will not make the 26-man roster. And I just thought it was interesting that multiple people have asked about this guy. And it kind of shows that he still has some intrigue about him, I guess. I don't know if I'm giving you any more clues. If people out there are like, I know who you're talking about. Um, but there you go. You guys can think about that. We'll ask Frank coming up. At uh, 3 o'clock today. Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. The other thing about the Phillies today that I found interesting, by the way, they're up 3 nothing in the 8th, is they haven't given up a run again. I, I don't – now, yesterday they gave up some runs. They actually lost yesterday, 7-6 to uh, the Red Sox. But on a day where they've used their actual pitchers, like the other day Nola threw, and they actually backed them up with guys that are probably going to make the big league roster – Today, everybody pitching for the most part, Sanchez, Bellotti, Dylan Covey, Ruiz, Kirkering, those guys all have a shot to make the roster. I don't know if they all will, but they're all guys battling for a spot. And now, uh, this is funny, Tanner McKee's pitching. Is he the quarterback, uh, the backup quarterback? Is he also trying to be the backup quarterback? Actually, his name is McKay. I don't know what his first name is, but it's McKay. It's T- it just says on the T. Thing, McKay. T. McKay. <laughs> But he he's uh he's getting he's pitching. I mean right Tanner now. McKee is six foot six. Maybe he have a good down uh, downhill. Uh, yeah, basketball. I can work with him. I have no problem. Yeah, I, I have no problem trying to work with him there. But um, the Mike Gill school of pitching. That's right. I, give me a six foot five guy, and I can get you uh, probably a couple good innings out of him. I can get you more than that. I'd probably get your probably get him. Uh, 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 <laughs> drafted. <laughs> At least drafted. I probably could. Tanner, call Mike. Uh, yeah. Uh, Trey Turner, by the way, batted leadoff today. Nothing crazy there because Schwarber did not play today. See, I only found it interesting the other day because Turner hit leadoff and Schwarber was in the lineup mm-hmm. and hit fourth. Look, Turner to me, I got somebody, uh, a buddy of mine text me, Merrifield, about hitting leadoff. Trey Turner has hit leadoff more times in his career than any other spot in the order. And he's been way more productive as a leadoff hitter than any other spot in the order. Like, the Phillies have multiple options to hit leadoff, but 
The one option they have that no one seems to like is Schwarber. And that's all I found interesting the other day was that Turner was in the lineup, and so was Schwarber, and they chose to go with uh, Turner in the leadoff spot. I don't think Merrifield is even in the conversation to hit leadoff, but he might be. I mean, he's not a bad option. He's hit leadoff more times than any other spot in the order for him. So that's something we'll be keeping an eye on as well. Well, one thing we're going to be keeping an eye on now is caller 7. 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller number seven right now. You are entered for a chance to see the Phillies and the Orioles at Camden Yards in Baltimore. Thanks to Philly Sports Trip. You'll be riding the bus and getting the full catering experience. Lower level seats for a Phillies-Orioles game this summer at Camden Yards, one of the great ballparks. How do you win? You must be present to win for our Phillies watch party opening day. We're going to be partying at Maynard's in Margate. The Phillies open the season on Thursday, March 28th against the Braves. And we're going to be partying and giving away a trip to see the Orioles and the Phillies at Camden Yards. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live, here's Mike Gill. All right, just after three, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Frank Close is here with the Phillies mailbag over at 973ESPN.com. He answers your Phillies questions every Tuesday on the Sports Bash. And we've been getting a lot of Phillies questions on the text board as well. So if you want questions for Frank, 609-403-0973. I was teasing the segment, Frank, by we've got multiple texts about a player who probably will not make the roster. I don't know if you can uh, think in your mind who that might be, but multiple people have asked a question regarding a player that likely will not make the roster. So you can kind of keep that in your head. Phillies in action today, up 3 nothing in the ninth. Uh, not a lot going on down there. David Dahl, by the way, intriguing guy. Dahl, have any shot for you to, to edge out Cave maybe? I don't think either of them have a shot, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. You think Cave is, uh, yeah, is, is, is I, gone? I don't know. I, I feel like there's enough lefties around. They need somebody who can be a little more versatile. I, I think, I think I like Clemens better, and and Cave and Clemens both can't coexist on this roster. So, but Doll Doll's an interesting guy. I think he's the type that'll be a AAA, and then you see if he can help you down the stretch if you need something or if somebody gets hurt. But Doll looked really promising in 2019, and then he sort of fell off the face of the earth. But he was a really nice player for the Rockies early in his career. Yeah, he was a guy who made the All-Star game for Colorado. Uh, we mentioned before, like a 350 on on-base percentage, very good. And then uh, just kind of vanished for them, kind of had some injury issues as well. Philly's mailbag. Now, I want to ask you, Frank, because I wrote about this on Sunday, I think it was. I found it interesting that both Turner and Schwarber were in the lineup and Turner hit leadoff and Schwarber hit four. Is that <laughs> Rob Thompson just, like, uh, trolling us? Is that a real possibility? Am I reading too much into spring training game number two? 
I think you're reading a little bit too much in. Here's what probably happened if I had to put my manager hat on. I think the Phillies wanted Trey Turner to get two at-bats and exit the game. And the way you get those at-bats quickly and off your feet and out of the field is bat higher up in the order. Schwarber, if he's a DH, he can just sort of, you know, sit back and get his at-bats whenever. But if the players take the field, you want to get them off the field, especially this early in spring training and get them off their feet, you bat them earlier in the lineup. Schwarber, there's no real sense of urgency to do that. All right. So that does uh, that is a pretty good explanation there. Um, so Turner is in the leadoff spot on Sunday and Schwarber's in the four hole, but you don't see that happening uh, March 28th. I definitely do not. I mean, the, the Phillies have too deep a lineup for for them for the two of them to be any lower than like one and two. But um, I think it'll be Schwarber. Uh, any, yeah, you think it's going to be Schwarber? Um, I, I and, and Merrifield, I guess he's not a candidate either. Yeah, Merrifield, I'm sure he will once in a while if if Schwarber gets a day off. I think what's going to happen is. Since Schwarber will not be in the field, uh, perhaps ever this season, I think that that would be a, a, a nice goal to have. That means he'll probably play most of the games. He won't get a day off unless maybe the Phillies want to give Harper a day off his feet and, and be a DH here or there just as a break to him too. Uh, so I, I don't see the need for Merrifield to even fill in there once in a while. But but let's say Schwarber has a day off, Bryce Harper gets a day at DH instead of first base, Probably be Merrifield who leads off. Yeah, because uh, Merrifield has hit lead off uh, more times than any other spot in the order in his career as well, and so has Trey Turner. By the way, Turner has hit lead off in his career more than any other spot in the lineup. So you really have three guys who hit lead off more than any other place in the lineup in on the current roster. There, so something to kind of uh, to consider. But as Frank said, I agree with. I think um, the lead off spot will be. Um, will be a Schwarber and I know that was a question that got asked in the mailbag today um by Greg who will bat lead off in 2024 yeah so that was uh, we sort of answered that already but you know I think what it comes down to is when you look at 2022 and 2023 the Phillies won when Schwarber batted lead off now heading into last year early you really needed to have Schwarber perhaps be fourth or or somewhere in that power spot that was really notable that really notable absence of Bryce Harper so I think Schwarber had to sort of fill that lefty bat roll towards the middle and that's when things were a little unsettled last year so I think once you got once you got Harper back Schwarber settled him to the leadoff spot once again and then the rest was history right the Phillies began to win they got over that really tough May that they had and we're, we're way better off. So I think it's one of those things where if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think that uh, if the winning happened with Schwarber batting leadoff, then that would be the focus. Let him lead off and go from there. I guess one of the issues with this, and I want to get your opinion on it, is Harper. You know, generally, like, you can use maybe Turner or Merrifield in the leadoff hole, but you would have to then bat Schwarber, I mean, uh, Harper essentially second, and then Schwarber fourth. You don't want the two lefties together. Do you think Harper would be adverse to hitting number two? I don't think he'd be adverse, but I, I, just, I, just, I just really like if you go Schwarber, Turner, Harper. I think that's the preferred lineup if, if – of course, if Turner is playing well, I mean, I think, I think, I think Trey Turner is going to have a better season this year than last year. He's all settled in now and, and too talented not to. So I, I, I see, I, I think it's really hard to break away from that. And, 
And while, yes, a lot of modern-day uh, analytics suggest that you want your best hitter hitting second, uh, you know, I think they still have a very good hitter second. And Harper played well there. And then they've got a righty bat to go behind him. They, they, they have a few to choose from. So, so yeah, I think it just be, because the Phillies are still kind of lefty-heavy, I, I think it makes makes a little bit more sense to to just just put Harper third and, and keep him there. I think that that seemed to work for them. Uh, Frank Close, our Phillies insider from 97.3 ESPN.com. Uh, all right, Glenn wants to know, knowing that most pitchers don't pitch five or six innings, who are considered some of those long relievers? He says he's not a fan of always doing one inning per pitcher, but it's a good question. If you're, who are kind of those like uh, bridge guys? Because it seems like the Phillies have a lot of guys for the back end of the bullpen. No real closer, but a lot of guys who can pitch seventh, eighth, ninth. But who are those guys who are the others? You know, I don't think they have an old fashioned long man. You know, if Christopher Sanchez, if if somehow the Phillies end up I think we talked about this last week if they're opportunists and somehow either Montgomery or Snell or somebody else out there falls in their lap or or if the Phillies sign Michael Lorenzen they, they would have Christopher Sanchez to fill that role but as of now Sanchez is set to be in the starting rotation so right now when you look at what they have I mean the the top the only five I can think of that that could give you multiple innings and I'm thinking like two or one plus uh, Jeff Hoffman however He'll probably be towards the back of the bullpen, and so you might not want him to do that unless he's getting the last out of one inning and then the three outs the following inning. Connor Brogdon's still hanging around. Uh, you know, he might be someone they look to for multiple innings at a time, and I think this spring they'll try to to get him to do that. And then then the old names we know, Dylan Covey and Nick Nelson, the, you know, they, they might profile similarly. I think both of them are going to get a shot to be stretched out to potentially help as starting rotation depth, but... I think of the two, uh, one of them could make the team, uh, whether it's Covey or, or Nelson. Both of them are, are out of options, and this is their last chance, really, to, to stick with the Phillies. And the Phillies also added someone named Michael Rucker, who if you look at his career, uh, a lot of it with the Cubs, uh, he has trended over an inning per, per appearance. So his his average shows that he could pitch multiple innings. Now, none of them really are the the three or four inning types, uh, I think also a lot will depend on who pitched the previous day in this day and age. And, you know, you see a lot in Major League Baseball. They, they have that one bullpen spot that they keep sending people back and forth to AAA to just, just to help you get through days when pitching is tight. But, uh, you know, there's really no there's really no obvious person to give you three, four innings at a time that you kind of don't bring in. I think you're going to see a team like the Phillies piece things together a few innings here, or excuse me, if the start only gives you a few innings, you might need an inning here, two there, and then if you're getting blown out, you let a position player pitch, which, which they have done plenty. In fact, uh, uh, Cody Clemens, if he makes the roster, you know, Clem, Clemens had an ERA just over three and, and four games last year. I mean, I know his name's Clemens, but that wasn't bad. Uh, all right, Rich wants to know, what's the situation with the, like, 4A starting pitcher contracts and how many accept the AAA assignment? You're looking at these guys who could possibly be long men or the guy, this is an interesting question for the depth of the rotation. You know, who would be that guy that gets called up in the event that somebody in the starting rotation gets hurt? So the Phillies made two signings that were free agent signings at the major league level. One of them, Kobe Allard, and then the other one, 
is Spencer Turnbull. Now, both of those players have minor league options. So you sign somebody like that, you hopefully get to hang on to them at AAA, and they pitch in the rotation there. And then if you need them, you can call call them up. So uh, Allard, he he can be he can be options. So that's a traditional option. And by the way, when we say option year, it means when you sign your first major league contract. There were three different seasons that they can send you back and forth to the minors uh, before they would have to uh, make you stick or release you. So uh, it's it's something that that every player goes through. Not all of them use them all, of course, but uh, you know Kobe Allard and uh, Spencer Turnbull each have that option. In fact, Spencer Turnbull is an interesting story because he got injured last year and he ended up having his option reversed and he got a full year of major league service time last year. Now that could hurt him into this year because uh, the Phillies could send him in AAA and stash him there and and see how he does. So the, those are the two that came from the outside that you might want to look at. Nick Nelson, who I just mentioned, he's an internal candidate to be a six starter. Last year they had him at AAA kind of getting stretched out when he got hurt, and he never really got the chance until the very last day of the season where he made that final start of the season. So he, he, would ha- he might have a shot, but he's out of options. And then... The one name I love is David Buchanan. You know, last seen in Philly in 2016. Uh, he spent the the time since playing in Asia, in Korea, and Japan, and he really established himself as a starter there. So he's hoping that now, now at 35 years old, he can come back to the United States, and he came back where it all started, which is with the Phillies. And so, uh, because he is a minor league deal, he can. Uh, unless he decides to opt out of it. I don't think he counts as a veteran and has has rights that a veteran might have, but unless they have a deal where he can opt out or or be released, uh, he's somebody they could put a triple-A Lehigh Valley and have him ready to be called upon if necessary. So that those are four names. I don't know that they are sexy names at this point, but, the, but they're all uh, minus Nelson. Nelson's the only one that they can't stash at triple-A. So you, you want to hope you don't get into that depth, but at least there's there are some options. I still feel better if the Phillies add an additional starting pitcher. And again, I, I would I would sign Michael Lorenzen personally. Um, yes, Michael Lorenzen's still out there. Interesting name there. What about Mick Abel, who threw obviously one inning the other day? But what is his status and role for 2024? I think they want him to have some more time at AAA. I mean, he was barely there last year. When you get to pitch at AAA, you have a lot of people that have some major league experience at AAA, you know, that are that are more challenging hitters than the rookie that that's just working their way up. So, I I think if everybody had their druthers, they would let him go to AAA and just do his thing. And then if you get to June ish and you need a pitcher and and he's he's done a good job, he could be somebody that you grab, uh, but you don't have to uh, and. You know, he could also, when if you get to like July and he's been pitching really, really well, he might force his way into a promotion. So, I, I think I think they don't feel a sense of urgency to bring him along. Uh, you know, those names I just mentioned again, none of them are, are are names that'll scare anybody, but they might be able to get by at first and let him do the development that he needs to do, and then when he his performance commands a promotion to the major leagues, well. I think they'd promote him to the major league. So it's it's uh, he's still young. He's still 22. There's really no rush. Uh, I think that especially with the, some of the younger arms that you want to you want to limit the workload some too. So so a guy like him can go to AAA and and not pitch long outings, and then 
you know, that, that'll save him some innings on the back end of the season when perhaps the Phillies could use him a little bit more. Uh, Frank Close, 97.3 ESPN.com, his mailbag every Tuesday on the Sports Bash. Uh, let's get some questions from some of the listeners out there. You can text in a Phillies question at 609-403-0973. Terry and Kate May, along with a couple of others, ask about Scott Kingery. If the Phillies leave Kingery <laughs> alone and let him play his game, don't mess with his swing, and just let him be the Kingery they signed to that early contract, can he be an X factor for this team? You know, I am really surprised he's still around. And I say that as someone who was kind of impressed with his spring last year. Down at AAA, he didn't do much to really make the Phillies want to recall him for, for any reason. I mean, he's been off the 40-man roster for years now. I thought that, yeah, now granted, the Phillies, so what happened with his contract was he signed that major league contract Early on, right? He had that six-year major league contract. And what happened was when that expired, it simply defaulted to his minor league contract that he didn't use a lot of because he got that six-year major league contract. So I thought it would the courteous thing to do might say, all right, Scott, listen, I know you would still be under our control, but we're going to release you and let you, you know, try start over somewhere else, you know, where maybe you have a better shot. But they kept him. So, I, I mean, they got to have kept him for some reason, you know. Um, does he have a real shot? I don't know. I mean, I feel like like anybody else, he's gonna he's gonna have to uh, play his way through it. And the difference between now and the the last several years is he's not making six million dollars this year. He is on a minor league deal, making a couple thousand bucks a month, maybe three, and then really fighting for his way to to get back up to the major leagues. So uh, it's a little different dynamic, but uh, yeah, he's I, I'm just really really shocked that he's still around and they, they left him as number four. They didn't make him wear number 66 or something, you know, like, like a lot of the, the minor leaguers in camp, they invited him to camp. He's there as he's been every year for the last like eight now. So um, he's around for some reason and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully he, he, he gets his opportunity, but you know, in terms of uh, working with him, not working with him, I, I don't know. Someone in the organization must, must think something is there and they're trying to untap it. But, uh, yeah, he's he's in camp. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, he's in camp and uh, he he's you know he's holding his own so far. Uh, he's hitting four hundred with a five seventy one on base percentage uh, through a couple of games. Um, so he did walk today. Um, yeah, he seems to be a guy that you know people last year. The the funny part to me about Kingery is that there are some that just. And haven't given up on him yet. You would think he was like Markel Fultz, and you're like, I right, get him out of here. I'm done with him. <laughs> uh, but there are Phillies fans that are still hopeful that somewhere. I will say this: I saw him play in spring training the year they signed him to that deal, and he was unbelievable. I mean, he he earned mm-hmm. at that point. And I said, good for the Phillies for finding a young guy and then getting him early, recognizing that because the the goal is. If you sign him to that contract and he works out, now you've got him at the at, at b- below market value and you win the deal. That's something they generally don't do, gamble and, and identify a young player and sign them. So I gave them credit for doing it. It obviously did not work. But I'm surprised at Philly fans that there are some out there still willing to give him a chance because he was so bad. Yeah, he, he. I don't know what happened. Remember, people were comparing him to Chase Utley or Dustin Bedroya. You know, he was, he he was kind of labeled as as the next star in town. So it's it's, yeah, 
I, I don't know, man. There, there's that mental side of the game where there are too many expectations. I mean, right now, quite bluntly, there really are no expectations. So can, can he wow you? In fact, the fact that he is on this trip, uh, just, just to give you some context, Southwest Florida, there's one day or excuse me, one trip where the Phillies go play the Twins and then the Red Sox on back-to-back days in spring training, and this is it. And this is a trip where, now the rules say they have to bring a certain number of veterans. You can't just send, you know, all, all your backup players. But this this trip is predominantly those on the bubble. And uh, he, he made that trip, uh, you know, where whereas, you know, the Harpers of the world are, are not making that trip. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing... Uh, <laughs> You're you're seeing the ones that that would r- probably rather not travel, but are are fighting for their their roster life, and he is one of those guys. So it's nice he's getting to play. You know, I, I think you're going to see his playing time decrease as spring goes on, because as as the veterans start playing more, there's there are fewer opportunities for for players like him. But uh, yeah, he's making the best of them. So uh, and you also have Wes Wilson as another player, kind of on the bubble. That's that's uh, had had some moments early on so far. You know. Uh, he's down there as well, and so you've got some uh, you've got some some guys really just fighting for their major league life, and 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 they're they're there in Southwest Florida and, and trying trying to show the Phillies that they're still relevant. Uh, all right, Doug, who stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last night, asked this question. Uh, he says, "Is lack of a concrete setup man slash closer?" Uh, game plan in camp a sign that the first half of the season is going to be used to target who the closer will be via trade acquisition. Essentially, it's smarter, cheaper way to spend money and then get a proven closer. So I guess the question is, they're going to go through half the year kind of you know moving closers around until they identify maybe a trade, or do you think there's a closer that's on the current team? I, I think Sir Anthony Dominguez, if he's back... Last year he had no command, even in the playoffs. And in fact, he he just the Braves got themselves out against Anthony Dominguez last playoffs. Uh, if if he gets his control back, I think you got the out the the Alvarado Dominguez one two punch at the back end. You know, and again face facing uh, facing righties if you're Dominguez and facing lefties if you're Alvarado. I think I think they would love to have what they had in 2022, which was that one two punch. And then meanwhile. You see how far Kirkering can work himself back into the bullpen. You know, if he if he has a good spring and shows he belongs, you know, the Phillies will will have the luxury of kind of experimenting with where he fits best in that bullpen. Unlike the playoffs, where I was, <laughs> hey, here you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I think this is this is they're going to see if Dominguez has it. They're going to see what Kirkering has, and, and you know Gregory Clo- uh, Soto. He's got some uh, he's got some closing experience in, in his career too. He was the closer for the Tigers. You know they, they have other options if they need to sort of you know bridge the gap. But uh, but yeah, you know the trade deadline. There's there's always somebody on the move. Some reliever is going to move. They can get reinforcements then. But but really, you have to see what you have before you can do that. And and one thing about relievers is very funny is that you never can predict one from a year to the next. You know what you're going to get from the, the the relievers. Very few relievers have that consistency from year to year, and it's really when you're you're talking about high velocity relievers, you need to have that command. So, um, Sir Anthony Dominguez, I think a lot really depends on him this year to see if he's the Sir Anthony Dominguez of 2022, or is he the Sir Anthony Dominguez of 2023? So, 
I'm interested in really seeing which one shows up in 2024. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm interested in Dominguez. I'm a big Kirkering fan. I think uh, that's the guy to me. I think Kirkering will be the guy. Uh, I hope anyway that the Phillies say, you know what? He's the youngest guy with the best stuff here. Let's go. Let's let's see what he's got. I don't know that that's what they're going to do. It doesn't sound like it anyway, but they can certainly mix and match. Alvarado, Hoffman, Dominguez, Soto, Kirkering. I mean, they have so many different closing. Even Strom closed out playoff opportunities mm-hmm. or picked in some. So they've got three lefties and three righties, really, that can close games out for them. So they can really mix and match. And, and the truth of it all is, you know, we were we have our playoff baseball in our minds because we saw last. But once you're when you're in the middle of the season, these 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 little slots don't apply because people will need a day off after pitching a couple days in a row, and that will create other opportunities for other guys. So, yeah. so I think it's fair to say that even if Kirkering doesn't go in as the closer or one of those back end guys. The demands of of date playing baseball every day are going to dictate that he's going to get some opportunities, and we'll see what he makes of those opportunities. Well, it looks like Brett Schultz's not making the team. He uh, he just gave up three <laughs> runs in the ninth, uh, and now the Phillies are tied down in uh, Fort Myers today. He's playing to the tune of a four. 0.50 ERA uh, for the Phils. Brett Schultz, uh, who just got into a game. That's spring training baseball for you sometimes. The game is over. 3-3, tie, final. They don't play extra innings at spring training. Although sometimes you do see on Sunday, uh, the Yankees pitched Stroman in the first, took him out in the second, then brought him back in in the third. So. Yeah, they'll they'll let you play around in spring training, you know. Yeah. And with the tie, sometimes it's a simple. I, we're we're still kind of early, but I've seen plenty of times where the one manager goes over to the other and says, "Hey, I got a guy I need to throw. Can yeah. you play one more?" Yeah. And and they'll say yes, even even if, even if uh, you know, I've seen the home team bat. Um, I mean, um, uh, usually they they'll, they'll bat even when they're ahead because. The other the other team wants to let somebody right. throw a few inning a few few pitches, you know. So the rules don't apply in spring training, and so I think that the Phillies would be very content to get on that bus and work their way back up the west coast of Florida <laughs> to get to Clearwater. Uh, Frank Close, the Phillies mailbag each Tuesday right here on the Sports Bass. Thanks for uh, all the questions as always, and we'll do it again next week here on the Sports Bass. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Mike. All right, Frank Close, everybody, is back for another season of Phillies baseball right here on the Sports Bass Live on 97.3 ESPN. And, of course, you can hear that on Tuesdays here. Uh, We've got another chance for you to qualify for that Phillies road trip. We're sending someone to Baltimore, Camden Yards, to see the Phillies play the Orioles. Listen for that sounder in 30 minutes from now. When we come back, the Sports Bass, all right, so we're going to try to get the crystal ball out, all right? We're going to try to predict who the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL will be this season. That's next. This is the Sports Bash. It's for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. And I am the voice 
of the Voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Yeah, it's hard to say right now, um, but it's it's got to help our organization significantly to, to move around because we saw what it did last year. Um, and I'm looking for that type of return to continue to improve our football team. Right, that's Bears GM Ryan Poles on what he wants with that number one pick. I mean, they got Fields and obviously Caleb Williams. So what are they going to do? So ESPN.com put out an article today that I thought was kind of fun. They were trying to predict the 32 starting quarterbacks for every team this year. Obviously, some of them are very easy. But they're trying to get a crystal ball and look at who will be the week one starters for all 32 teams. Kiss Link. No, I would not say that. That show was uh, not very good. You didn't like that show? Yeah. I thought it was hilarious the first season. It got old the first second. First season, yeah. Then after that, it was... Yeah. It got old, yeah. yeah. First season, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, that lady was mean. She did a good job. And then they had, like, um, somebody else did it. And then they bring, brought her back, right? Yeah, they brought her back to try to save the ratings. Try to save it. Um, so what I want to try to do is uh, the article has their answer. We can give our answers. Okay. Um, I have not read this article yet. Neither so. have I. Okay. I have not read the article. I just saw the headline and saw what it was, and I said, oh, this might be interesting to try to guess. So Arizona, they have the predicted starter being Kyler Murray. I think we all would agree with that. Yes. Uh, Atlanta who does not have a, well, definitive answer right now. I know it's not going to be Taylor Heineke. Okay. Or Ritter? Probably not, if they're smart. I still am going under the theory that Justin Fields will land in Atlanta. So you're going, you're predicting Fields for Atlanta. That would be my Josh Hennig projection. All right. They went Kirk Cousins. Did they say why? Um... Because I'd be curious to understand, because to, to me, I would think Cousins is staying in Minnesota for one more year. Just says it makes sense for Cousins, assuming he's fully recovered from the Achilles. Um, basically that the Atlanta is a a veteran quarterback away from being the favorite. If they had a better offensive line. Yeah, they got a lot of skill players, but they need some help. Now they have an offseason to do it, but you got to get the quarterback there. They think they are a quarterback away. That's been the messaging at the Combine is, in fact... Raheem Morris said, if they had a quarterback, I probably wouldn't have this job right now. I would say they should spend their money on the offensive line and then trade for a quarterback like Fields. All right, so Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Buffalo, Josh Allen. Yep. Carolina, Bryce Young. Eh, yeah. All those guys locked in is the status. Chicago. Well, you I'm, said Fields in Atlanta, yeah. which would mean... I don't think Caleb Williams is going to end up in Chicago. I think at some point there's going to be a trade of that pick. You know, Ryan Poles can play coy all he wants, but it. I think that at the end of the day, Caleb Williams is going to end up, as of right now, in Washington, and that Chicago will end up with one of the other quarterbacks. And if I had to project... If I was Chicago, if Ryan Poles called me and you right now on the radio here on 97.3 ESPN and said, who do you guys think I should draft? I would say Jalen Daniels of LSU. All right, that's not going to happen. So Caleb Williams will be the answer. But (laughs) you can write that one down and see if you get it right. (laughs) Cincinnati, Burrow, Cleveland. 
I guess it's Deshaun Watson. I mean, monetarily, they don't have an option here. Yeah. They, they don't have a, a choice. Although I did see something that they're interested in bringing Flacco back, and I think that would be disastrous. That'd be funny. Well, it would be like the year that Philadelphia had to get rid of uh, Foles. You couldn't have Foles sitting on the sideline with McNabb playing. Right. Um, it would have just been – not not McNabb, uh, Wentz. It would have just been – Oh, right, right. It would have just been, like, you know, distracting the whole time. Like, people would have wanted – same thing here. If Watson messes up, everyone would be asking for Flacco to come back in the game. You just can't have that distraction. My mind actually went to when Foles was here the first time and they had to move on from him. Yeah, but that was Vic. Right. That's why my mind said yes, but I was wrong about the player. I was right about the scenario. All right, Dallas, Dak Prescott locked in. Yep. Who will be the starting quarterback in Denver? Ooh. Not Russell Wilson. Okay. I feel very confident that they're going to have a new quarterback there. Yeah, it sounded today that Sean Payton had no intention of bringing Russell Wilson back. But also, like, the way Sean Payton treated him last year was just such a strange thing. Like, that whole—you remember that confrontation the sideline that Payton had? And Russell Wilson just looked like, like a deer in the headlights. And Payton was just so angry with him. Like, to me, that was the moment I was like, yeah, this is a divorce. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't seem to go very well. Although Wilson played better last year than he did the previous year. There's no question about that. Oh, he absolutely did. But there is a disconnect between Peyton and Wilson. So give me an answer. Kirk Cousins. All right, so you're going Cousins to Denver. They're going J.J. McCarthy. See, I'm going Cousins because veteran quarterback Sean Payton. You know, I would tend to say that they're going to try to go more towards finally finding a young quarterback in Denver, which they haven't been able to do. I mean, they have been going down the veteran trade and or free agent for a while. I and mean, going back to they brought in Cutler and they brought in. Well, they drafted well, they Cutler. They drafted Cutler. But he's uh, the last Peyton guy Manning. you can name. Yeah, and he wasn't all that good either. Right. But he was better than. Brian Greasy, but he they was better just than Brock kept Osweiler. going through guy after guy, and then yeah. they they went after Manning, Paxton and now Lynch. they've gone and traded for a Russell Wilson. It seems like it's like, hey, we need to find that younger quarterback and kind of start with with that. So I I would go with more that their projected starter. I would go with more than yours. Really quick, do you believe that Sean Payton is a good coach for a young quarterback? Don't know. Haven't seen him with one. When have I ever got the chance to see that? I know he was a good coach with Breeze. Right. Was he a bad coach with Russell? I mean, Russell wasn't a decent year last year. He wasn't awful. He certainly was better than the year before. I think Russell Wilson's 34 years old. He's yeah. a smaller guy. I just think he's just not the same player. And guess what? If Russell Wilson wasn't making $39 million, we might not be having this conversation. So that that comes into play here, too. True. Uh, Detroit, Goff locked in, Love locked in in Green Bay, Stroud locked in in Houston, yep. Indianapolis, Richardson locked in, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence locked in, Mahomes in Kansas City, the Raiders. The Raiders are probably going to draft someone. And if I – I don't know what their pick is off the top of my head, but I would assume – See, I don't like J.J. McCarthy, so I, I have I have an inbuilt in bias. I think they have 13. They have 13. Uh, I mean, Drake May's not falling to there. Daniels is not falling to there. I mean, I'm assuming it would be a rookie quarterback. Well, they agree with that. Michael Penix Jr. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. How do you feel about Michael? He's Penix saying as a they prospect? might not have taken him at thirteen. They could trade down and get him later in the first round. How do you feel about Penix? I like him a lot, actually. Uh, my only worry about him is is his release a little slow. You don't have a question about his injury history. Well, that too, um, obviously, and that's one of the things like Bryce Young I didn't like, Tua I didn't like, but I think he's got a long release, and I'm wondering. I I think he's very accurate and dynamic to watch. But, but you're saying if he could tighten that up, you'd feel better. Yeah, I think him. his release is a little long. Gotcha. He, he, he want, like he's very low in, you know. Well, he is going to throw at the combine, so we'll see if I he think, maybe. I, I, honestly, I, I that, this kind of thing, but that's a whole other topic. I think these guys should be forced to throw and, and perform. Like, who do you think you are that you don't have to perform? Like, it should be, like, again, this goes back to. You don't tell us what you want to do if you want to play. If you don't want to play in the league, then don't perform. But if you want to be drafted, if you want to be eligible to have your name in the draft, you must show up and perform. What 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 are we doing that we're letting these guys tell us? I don't want to throw. They're dictating the terms of exactly their review. The NFL should say if you want to play in our league. You must show up and perform at the combine. Like I don't know where these guys get off thinking that I don't need to throw it. Now, of course, what do you mean, Mike Gill? They are not showing up. Yeah, the league is a billion on top of billion dollar league. If you want to play in my league, these are the rules. If you don't like it, go play in the Canadian League or go play in the United Football League. I've heard multiple people say this week that the only two things quarterbacks should absolutely do at the combine is interviews and throw. That they shouldn't. That they usually they should literally tell the quarterbacks, "We don't care about your bench press, your running. We don't care. Just throw, interview, leave. Whatever. I mean, still, whatever the uh, minimum should be. Like, I don't understand. Like, Marvin Harrison apparently is not going either. Right. I'm. I'm. I don't need to go. I'm the best receiver out there. Well, you can come see me at my pro day. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I, I, that bothers me. All right. Uh, Chargers, Herbert, locked in. Stafford, locked in. Tua, locked in. Mm-hmm. Minnesota. Ooh. See, I would like to see Kirk Cousins go back there, but it really sounds like that people don't think he will go back there. So I am going to say that they end up with a rookie quarterback. Okay. Uh, they do have, well, they, they predicted Russell Wilson. Really? And they said, if not Wilson, how about Oregon's Bo Nix? Bo Nix is interesting because he's he's one of those guys who was in college for so long, you forgot that he was draft eligible anymore. Yeah, I feel like he's played for like five different colleges. <laughs> he's played for at least six different years, I think. He's 25 years old, I think. Yeah, he's Bo 20. Nix. He, I think he might be one of the oldest. I think he is the oldest guy in the draft. Uh, New England. I still think Mac Jones will get one more shot. Wow. They disagree. They're going Jaden Daniels, and they're taking him at number three. Well, then where's was Mac Jones going to be the backup quarterback? I guess so. I mean, I like Jaden Daniels a lot. If you ask me who my top quarterback is in the draft, it's Daniels. All right. Well, he would be in New England according to these predictions. Now, this is just an article that's bad predicting him, quarterbacks. Uh, New Orleans, they have a decent bet that Carr is back. NFC East, they got the Giants with Daniel Jones, a decent bet that he's back. The Jets, they've got Aaron Rodgers locked in. 
Eagles hurts. Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, if Fields doesn't go to Atlanta, I think he goes to Pittsburgh. They have Fields in Pittsburgh. Because Tomlin apparently loves Justin Fields. Yeah, we've heard all that stuff, but you know what? That stuff. I, I mean, there's a lot of coaches and players who probably, hey, I like this player. Hey, man, Tomlin, though, he, he ain't a normal coach. He's a he's a bedrock of that franchise at this point, isn't he? Yeah, I'm sure he has some pull, but uh, I, I we'll see. Fields is interesting because of the whole situation. And Ryan Pohl sounded like they wanted to get this cleared up by the end of the week. <laughs> they might. Yeah. Maybe over some drinks tonight. All right, Purdy locked in. Geno yep. Smith, decent bet to be back in Seattle. If Geno is not in Seattle, are there any of the teams that we just mentioned you would like to see Geno at? Well, that's a tough one because... Like if Gino was in Atlanta or Pittsburgh or Minnesota. I don't see I like Gino. I mean West Virginia guy, but I don't know that he puts those teams over the top. Like if you're Atlanta, are you saying we're Gino Smith away from getting this team with with uh Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London and um well, he's an aggressive improvement over Ritter. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, they probably makes you the favorite in that division. I mean, Geno's better than any of the quarterbacks who played for Minnesota last year. Oh, Minnesota, yeah. You're talking about, what's his name? <laughs> the guy who stunk and everybody loved. Oh, Josh Dobbs. Yeah, Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I mean, Geno, um, he's like in the Baker Mayfield. Same thing, like Tampa Bay, decent bet that Mayfield's back. Both of those guys are like, okay, we're 9-8. and eight. We're 10-7. and seven. Maybe. I don't know. Tennessee. I am going to assume as of right now, Will Levis will be the quarterback. That's where they're going. I just think that Levis, he's made progress. And I think that you gotta let you gotta see where it goes. Last one is Washington. Not Sam Howell. <laughs> Doesn't look like it. Uh, I I still believe that Caleb Williams could end up there. But oh, he, because of the whole Kingsbury, Kingsbury stuff. Yeah, they got Drake May going there. How do you feel about Drake May? Not a big fan. I I don't like the fact that he was so erratic in college. It kind of reminds me of Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean, there was something about, like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel that he is a number two overall pick. If you said, hey, you got him like Sam Howell, right. who also went to uh, UNC. If he did. And at one point, Sam Howell was projected to be the number one overall pick in the draft. And if you took him at number one overall, you'd be pretty disappointed. Yes. I think Drake May could be somewhat similar. Um, all right, something to keep an eye on. All those free agent quarterbacks, including Kirk Cousins, who the Vikings have to make a decision on. He's a 35-year-old free agent coming off a torn right Achilles. But, hey... Aaron Rodgers is a 40-year-old guy coming off a Achilles tear, and no one seems to have a problem with bringing him back. So Double standard, we'll you're see calling? if Kirk Cousins ends up getting a big deal. Uh, coming up at 4 o'clock, football at 4, live from the Combine for Adam Kaplan today. Five from Danny Rye, Jeff Kerr on the NFL tonight, the big three, and more, plus another chance for you to qualify for that trip to Baltimore to see the Phillies play the Orioles at Camden Yards is coming up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Hey, it's Mike Gill. I want to tell you about my friends over at Kiacura. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, this time of the year, you're taking a look at trying to get into something new. Well, you have a couple more days for the deal. Now through the end of the month, a 2024 Acura Integra lease, just $369 a month. It's a great price for a lease on an Acura Integra. How about a MDX lease, $489 a month? And beginning March 2nd, the service department, it will be open on Saturdays again. So you can drop your car off on a Saturday afternoon and go out there and get all your errands done. So stop in to see Rocco at Key Acura of Atlantic City, Tilt Road, EHT, the small but friendly dealer online at Key Acura of Atlantic City, Dot com. Football at four is coming up. But before we get there, I need caller seven at 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller number seven, you are entered for a chance to win a trip to Baltimore to see the Phillies play the Orioles at Camden Yards for their ballpark uh, series June 15th, I believe that game is. It's a Saturday. Bus will bring you down. Fully catered. Full party. Lower bowl tickets. All thanks to Philly Sports Trips. How do you win? You must be present to win at Maynard's and Margate. We're having a Phillies opening day watch party. We'll watch the game. And then we'll give away the trip to Baltimore. Thanks to Philly Sports Trip. It's all brought to you by Philly Sports Trips and Maynards of Margate, the opening day watch party with a chance to win that trip. Good luck. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. I give my heart and soul to this franchise, as so many of us do. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by Bet365, whatever the sport, wherever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. You know it's not an ordinary Eagles fans. It's just not an ordinary bunch for a good reason. I'm not being critical. It is a very interesting group of individuals. Uh, Howie Roseman spoke today. So did Nick Sirianni at the Combine in Indianapolis. And out there is the Inside the Birds crew with Adam Kaplan and Andrew DiCecco. They are both in Indianapolis. And Adam Kaplan is with us today as Roseman and Sirianni got a bunch of questions fired their way. And I know you're uh, taking a look at the Combine this week, so let's bring Adam Kaplan in to today's edition of Football at Four, the Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on all podcasting platforms. And don't forget the YouTube channel. Just search Inside the Birds. They'll have plenty of content this week, I'm sure, with what they see from Indianapolis. Adam, what's going on, man? Mike, good to talk to you. Yeah, I was at both press conferences, and uh, yeah, in fact, they were back-to-back. Uh, Roseman was first, then Sirianni was second, and 
You know, it's interesting. This is my 23rd combine. So when I first came here back in 2002, it was at the old RCA dome, which has been torn down. And you would have one or two coaches or GMs talk, but they, they would wait till one was done and they would have the next guy talk. But here you have, you could have five different head coaches or GMs from different teams talking at the same time. It's, it's kind of tough if you're trying to listen in on a bunch of them, but because of, you know, we're doing the segment, want to definitely hear them. So, and nothing goes shattering Mike, to be honest with you, there really is. Now, uh, there were a couple of things that I found fascinating. One of them, the big one to me, and I, I always look at these things differently than most of the media because I've done this now for recovered league for 25 years, but I thought it was very interesting. I forget which reporter asked it to Sirianni about kind of some of the things that went on last season. And Nick, you know, he didn't say exactly which one he'll look at, but he talked about you know his core values and how he's got to look at, you know did he do too much of one or the other? I thought that was interesting. And I, honestly, Mike, that was something that we thought on Inside the Birds. We thought that fundamentals were really poor to end the season. I don't think that it's not even thinking. We know what it was. The fundamentals were terrible, particularly on defense. So I'm very interested to see, and we'll look at this more in, in, in OTAs, what kind of changes does Sirianni make? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, I guess one of the questions off that then would be, you know, how much – uh, Adam, does the new coaching staff help with that? You know, I mean, getting more veteran coaches in there. Do you take a look at some of those failures last year as maybe not having a veteran coaching uh, coaching staff? You know, it's interesting. So Sirianni talked about, you know, in passing about some, some of the coaching changes, and particularly with Vic Fangio, where, you know, they wanted to make sure Vic was able to bring in his own guys, Christian Parker and a couple other coaches that he had relationships with who would work with him. Whereas here's what happened uh, in our reporting last year. In fact, we were the first ones to report it was going to be Desai, uh, most likely as a defense coordinator. Desai, because it was so late, he got the job, Mike, at the end of the combine. It, it was just hard for him to bring in coaches. And that was a problem. Hmm. Like Part of why he struggled, I think, Mike, was he just didn't have his guys. And Vic is going to have some of his guys, not all of them, but you need that. When you're bringing in a scheme, and in last year's case, Desai was only his second year as a coordinator, and he was running his version of Fangio's defense, you want to have your own people. And Vic is going to have his own people running his own scheme, obviously. So that, that was some of the, a couple of the interesting takeaways that we got from uh, from Nick. Yeah, well, there was a question that was uh, kind of targeted at, not targeted, but like asked about Vic Fangio being a veteran guy and whether or not that will give him more of a voice, you know, his experience as the coordinator. Does he get more sway when it comes to personnel? And, and Roseman kind of said, well, he thinks he does, but, you know, do you get the sense that Vic will get the chance? Because obviously with the time frame last year, Desai probably didn't get to really, you know, get a lot of say in who he was looking for because as we get to free agency, does Vic get a chance to say, hey, I've had this guy, I'm intrigued by him, or this is a guy that wouldn't fit so much. Well, they they know kind of what he's thinking. So well before he was hired for a consultant for the playoffs uh, two years ago, he was actually in their building. We we reported this at the time. He was in there every couple weeks, uh, you know, because he's you know he's from Wilkes-Barre that area, and he, he's very friendly with the front office. We we saw him in OTAs of twenty two. We saw him in training camp. It's crazy how much he was around them. Yeah, he's gonna have input. How he is giving his coordinators input. Um, I mean, he. he He'll listen. Doesn't mean he's going to do what they want, but he'll listen. Yeah, of course they're going to have. Of course, Vic will have input. 
uh, because you need you're going to need to have certain players for their scheme. But the other part now, I, again, I, I caution people to be very careful how you read into things. The Bradbury question came up, and that's what something where Vic Fangio will have some input in whether he wants to coach him or not. Uh, yes. Uh, that well, yeah, that was going to be that. Out, that was going to be my next question to you, Adam. Was that what did you think about the Bradbury question? He said he's under contract. He played slot, and Roseman said he's an outside guy. And then at the end, he said he's under contract. He's good. I mean, uh, he's part of our plans. I mean, does that sound pretty concrete to you? No. It's, it's, uh, what is, I, I always laugh when people think. You know, now I get your point. I mean, it's fair, but I just I, people have to be careful. Of what you read into, do you think he's really going to say, you know what? No, he had a bad year, and we're going to do all we can to trade him. You know that's that's not going to happen. Now, I'm going to go back several years. I'd reported that the Eagles were shopping Kelsey. This is 2016, I think, 2015, 2016. Actually, I asked Howie the question at the press conference, and he never came out and said that Kelsey would be with the football team. He he sort of gave um, sort of not a great answer. If you actually remember. Uh, Jason actually, in a speech to, before the Super Bowl, <laughs> talked about that, uh, about how he knew he was being shopped. So how he's just how he's a smart GM. He's not going to give it out that 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 they'd love to be, you know move on from from uh, from Bradbury or, or or what his role would be if he's still in the football team. He can't do that because you you cannot give up leverage, Mike. That's the way it works. You never give a, a, an idea if you're going to cut a player. You never let a team know. You never let anyone know that. Unless it's like imminent, where you want to get the word out, hey, yeah, we're going to move him, we're going to announce this, whatever the case may be. But you you have to be very careful of what believe in what GMs say in public. Sometimes it's the exact opposite. So I just, from covering this business stuff for so long, I, I particularly in a, in a public viewing like this, they're they're not going to tell you the truth most of the time. But you, you can read into it. What you know, it's it's you know, anyone listening to us could say whatever they want, or if they listen to press conferences. They could take their own read into it, but I don't I, when it comes to Howie. Um, but I did like he did say that. He's an outside corner. He's right. Look, all, here's what happened, Mike. We were there in training camp. They cross-trained Bradbury specifically in the slot in case something happened. Well, Maddox got hurt. Um, don't forget, uh, here was the other one. Zach, Zach McPherson got hurt towards Achilles. He was their backup slot. They didn't have anyone. Now, if you remember, they, they tried Ricks in there. wasn't real comfortable at it, but he did it. It's because they ran out of players to do it. So yeah, that 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 Howie's right, and I I appreciate him saying that. He didn't have to. That part he's definitely telling the truth. He did also at, he did also admit Adam that he needs to do a better job at finding talent in that area, which sure. I, which is obvious because you know they the they have yeah. they have failed at drafting and finding. I mean, every trade they have made over the years seems like they've added. Hey, throw us a corner in the deal, Mac McCain and Tay Gowan and and oh, down the yeah. line. They just haven't been able to find anybody that they have groomed themselves. You know, it's funny. I remember talking to someone with the Bills, uh, I don't know, like a month ago. And the guy said, man, thank God we, we acquired Russell Douglas by trade deadline. That's a guy, as you're mentioning, guy was a total failure here. Uh, he, he just struggled, you know. Uh, and then he goes somewhere else and, and plays well. Now, that look, he struggled here and he had to go. I, I, didn't, I did not blame the Eagles for getting rid of him. He just, he just couldn't get the job done here. But you're right, Mike, if you go back two decades – very few success stories other than Maddox and a couple others of guys that they drafted. Now, they haven't really drafted a ton, but overall, really, they have not really spent a lot of high-run picks since Alito Shepard uh, way, way, way back in the early 2000s. So that, that's going to change. They're going to address the cornerback position. 
whether it's in free agency, wire signing, trade, whether it's a draft, they're gonna they're gonna do something. Try to they'll do something. Try they'll try to do something significant. If the scenario works out for them. Uh, Adam Kaplan from the Inside the Birds podcast is at the combine. Any takeaways from the Reddick exchanges? You know, hey, can you give us an update on Reddick? And you know, he didn't seem to answer. What's the best case Not scenario? Yeah, they didn't. That, that was good. I'm looking at my notes here. Totally noncommittal is what I circled. I wouldn't read into it one way or the other, other than that he's on the football team on the final year of his deal. They know he wants to do deal. They're aware of what you know where where he's at. See, here's the thing. I, I don't think they know what Nolan Smith is as a football player yet because he barely played year one, Mike. I mean, it's a guy that they spent a, a you know a, a low first round pick on, but hey, he was a first round pick. He's got to play more minutes now. The other, I'm going to give you another takeaway, which I, I'm going to read into this one a little bit. Okay, Mike. I, I, and I'm, we're not we're not talking about Nolan Swift specifically, although he's certainly one of them. It sure sounds like, and and, and how he mentioned a couple times that they want to play their younger players, and that was good to hear. That now, we could go. You know, we're not going to go over their their, their roster today, but you could, you know, folks at home could go through a depth chart. Or go through the roster and see what young players need to start playing. Mm-hmm. Now they, the funny thing is because the injury, Rick's had to play a lot. Joe had to play early in the season. Um, Ringo played. You know the, the, the guys talk about that today. They had to play. Now, are there other players? Ben Van Sumer, we never talked about him. Who, by the way, played great football against the Giants at his only NFL start. Was absolutely phenomenal. Um, we were told, and we know our, our Greg Cosell, who's, uh, who worked for us, told us the same thing. Uh, you know, I, 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 that's one player I wish I would have asked about today. I, I typically don't answer the, ask questions at these, but at the owners' meetings in Orlando, Mike, um, I'll try to be at Sirianni's table or, uh, there, and I'll try to ask him because th- there's some guys on the back end of the roster. Van Sumer would be one of them because he's got a lot of athleticism, and, he's, he, and they, you know how bad they are at the inside linebacker position. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Andrew and I have, have talked about him and whether or not that's a guy that they would feel comfortable going into camp with. You know, last year they went into camp, they had to bring Zach Cunningham in, and they signed Miles Jack uh, after they went into camp, right? They went into to, to the start of camp with, with basically nothing at that spot. So we'll see if they follow a similar um a similar blueprint this time around. Uh, Nick Sirianni was asked about, you know, does Jalen Hurts have to be a, a better leader and a more vocal leader? And he kind of went into this whole thing about, uh, you know, you got to be, there's not one way to do it. And then he kind of talked about AJ. Mm-hmm. Did, did you make something from him looking at Hurts to maybe to give him more in that avenue? I didn't read. I'm looking at my notes here. I didn't get a lot out of what he said there. You know, I, I understood what he was talking about. It was in a, he backed up AJ Brown's leadership about what, what he said, you know, when AJ's coming off the field and kind of what he said in Philly radio last week, it, it, it kind of backed up what he said. And it is true, by the way, with, with AJ Brown, you and I, Mike, have not really talked about this. I'll say that one thing about AJ Brown, which I did agree with. We have no idea what he's saying to these players when it comes off the field. So for people saying he's being a diva, you have no idea what he's saying. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to be careful of making assumptions when you have no idea what what, what a player is saying. That's why you got to be very careful when you criticize a player without knowing. I'm, I'm, I, I've, you know, I learned my lesson dealing with players over the years when I think one thing, sometimes it's the exact opposite. And it's the same with with uh, in these press conferences. Be careful of what you read into. Now, by the way, uh, DeAndre Swift, um, like you didn't mention him. I, 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 I don't want to read too much into this. It didn't sound like, well, because they know he's a free agent. 
I'm not saying Sirianni would be happy if he left, but look, he talked about Kenny Gainwell, his guy. You know, we've talked about him for four years now. This is Kenny's final year. He's in his fourth year. About how much they love him. He he had a crowbar that in there about what his role could be, you know, if Swift doesn't return. Um, so, yeah, and then in the extensions, Mike Howie did, uh, you know, kind of acknowledge that he wants his, you know, these guys around a long time. You, you certainly could read into that. They're going to probably try to extend his contract. We'll see what happens. They don't have to do it. They've got him. They've got him under contract for another year plus fifth year option plus two two tags. We know they will never let it get there, but it's interesting. Uh, just they, they put more Howie than Nick talk about the younger players, and then Nick just kind of talking about his thoughts on the off season going forward. There wasn't any. He talked longer than Howie. Actually talked over nineteen minutes. Nineteen forty-five. I'm looking at my notes. I don't know why I wrote that down, but I did. Uh, but it, 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 you know, Nick. Um, Nick was more. I'll say this about their last press conference, their joint press conference. They were both worn out. If you remember, after they lost to Tampa Bay, it looked like they had been through a, the, the ringer, so to speak. Yeah, they had much more energy. Howard had really good energy, uh, way better energy this time than the last time. And Nick also was kind of lively. Uh, Adam, uh, the, you mentioned the running backs. Howie was asked about your, his thoughts on the running back market. Um, I don't know that he gave anything there, but you're at the combine. Would it be more likely that they just draft a guy and go with Gainwell and the guy they draft? Well, then you you can't go into a training camp without four running backs. So they got the kid Lou Nichols. They got uh, Ty Davis Price. I know they're really excited about. They give a pretty good guarantee. Uh, for uh, a one-year deal. And they'll, they'll add at least one more, if not two more, backs. See, here's the thing, Mike, about the free agent group. Everyone, just about every free agent other than Swift had a down year. Something happened, whether the guy was injured, whether the team was bad. Like, Josh Jacobs had a year, but not the year that he had two years ago. Well, they fired his play caller and the head coach. Josh McDaniels mid-season, Mike. Uh, Barkley had a down year. And my report for Pro Football Network, I had a personnel guy tell me there was no way he would tag him. The tape showed you can tag him. You could come back. The guy said he'd bring him back at half of a salary the last year. So you're talking about five or six million to see, you know, for one year. Yeah. Maybe some upside to it. These guys are taking, Mike, these free agent running backs are taking a hit. It could even be worse this year. Oh, Adam, I mean, we could talk an hour about this whole situation because you've got some high, oh, high-profile yeah. guys that I can't imagine they're going to be getting a lot of knocks on their door for multi-year deals. I mean, who's going to give, I don't know, like, you know, you got Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, you've got uh, Derek Henry. I mean, I don't know who's going to give those guys big-time contracts that they're looking for. I find that to be probably the biggest non Eagles story for me of the all. I know the quarterbacks and the trades, but what's going to happen at that running back position is fascinating to me. Derek Henry is 30 years old. He, he, he uh, Titans first told me he definitely lost a step. To me, Mike, Derek Henry, other than Baltimore, who I thought if he was going to get traded at a trade deadline, and believe me, Tennessee wanted to move him, is I don't know where he goes other than the, other than the Ravens, where he'd be a good fit. Uh, I have no idea. At 30 years old, he, by the way, he's a volume running back. He needs a lot of carries to do well. He's not going to do well in 10 carries. So it, it's a it's a total buyer's market in free agency. A lot of them have injury histories. There's there's a reason why guys come to market Mike at, at that position. Um, it's too early to know what they're going to do. I know they like to. Uh, my understanding is they like to swift back, but I couldn't tell you what is would they pay him. I mean, da, uh, by the way, Miles Sanders. Dave Cabot, Dave Canales, uh, or, or, or the, no, actually, it might have been Dan Morgan, the head coach. I can't remember. Was either Dave Canales, the new head coach of the Panthers, or Dan Morgan, their new GM, saying 
that Truba Hubbard's are starting. Miles Sanders is also there. How about that? Miles Sanders making six two five this year. Yeah, well, $250,000. I'll ask you if you because th- of all the high pri- profile running backs, does that make it more likely that Swift gets lost in the sauce and just comes back? Um, here's the thing, though, Mike. In our reporting, we were told they did not make a hard offer to Miles Sanders. They never really made an official offer. You know, they, they knew we was going to make a lot, and if Miles was willing to come back cheap, they, they would have been willing to look at it. He wasn't. Now, what did DeAndre Swift, we don't know what his, we don't know, A, what he wants, and B, because of his injury history. Now, this is the first year he, he, he didn't actually miss any games due to injury. He missed the last game because they're resting starters. Now, this is good for him. He didn't catch the ball like he should have. That was, he had nothing to do with his bad coaching, bad scheme, bad play calling. Uh, bottom line is, Mike, Swift is Swift for the first time in his career showed he could handle a decent amount of volume. So he, theoretically, he should do well, but it's just it's a depressed market. Yeah, he's he's one of the youngest guys on the market, and he's from here. You know, he went to St. Joe's Prep, but he's not. No one's getting more than six million a year plus. I mean, they might one of these one of these two backs might get six million. But to get more than that, they're going to have to get incentives. It's just this is the way the market is going right now. I got that. Yeah, I, I, the market's going to be interesting. Running backs there. By the way, uh, Falcons released veteran tight end Janu Smith. Another uh, tight end has hit the market uh, at free agent. Yeah. We've talked in the past about possibly the Eagles looking for a second tight end there. So some veteran players. You're going to start to see those names. You're going to start to see rookie names. And we are closing in on the start of NFL free agencies. Adam and I will talk more NFL. So Eagles stuff throughout the time. Football at four has got plenty to drop the new podcast. Check that out on all podcasting platforms as Andrew and Adam are at the Combine in Indianapolis. And uh, we'll have plenty more this week on Football at Four with the guys. Adam, thanks so much, man. Thank you. All right, looking forward to what he's got on Friday as, uh, yeah, a lot of updates on Everything that's happening at the Combine, the latest on all these guys later in the week with Adam, Derrick Henry, Russell Wilson, what's going to happen at Falcons quarterback, uh, because that's been a big topic out there. By the way, a couple congratulatory messages from me to the people out there uh, who have been listening and paying attention and uh, trying uh, to win this trip to Baltimore. We've got a couple more people that have entered the fray. Bob and EHT in hour one. Richie in Little Egg Harbor in hour number two. Congratulations, Richie and Bob. We'll see you guys at Maynard's in Margate on opening day for the Phils. It's March 28th. They play the Braves. It's a 3 o'clock first pitch. Come on out. Maynard's in Margate. They got a ton of TVs, by the way. It's a great place to watch the game. They have plenty of TVs. We'll be there live doing the show. The game will be on. And then we're going to give away a trip to the Phillies-Orioles game at Camden Yards in Baltimore. That'll be Orioles-Phillies, Camden Yards in Baltimore uh, with Philly sports trips. One lucky person's going to win that trip, and that sounder's going to go off in about 35 minutes from now. All right? When you hear that sounder, be caller number seven. You got to be entered to win. You must be entered to win, and you must be present to win. Now, as far as the opening day watch party, that is open to everybody. 
everybody listening, like you try to call, you can't get in, you're not caller seven, dang it. You can still come out and watch the game. Maynard's is awesome, great food, tons of great beers, pool tables, the whole nine. They got the inside, they got the outside. Hopefully by March 28th, you can go outside. It's a great spot. We've been to Maynard's before. We've packed the place, and it's very cool that they're having us back. So thanks to Stephanie and the people at Maynard's and Margate. We look forward to being back there for opening day. But this time, we come bearing gifts, a big old trip down to Baltimore's Camden Yards, one of my favorite ballparks in all of baseball. This year, we gave away a trip to PNC Park, which is an awesome ballpark. I actually think Camden Yards is probably better. So, we'll see. Uh, Coming up, more Sports Bash on the way. A five from Danny Rye. What are the five hottest topics on Danny Rye's mind today? Find out next on the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, 4.30 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Five from Danny Rye. It's brought to you by Broadley's Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning. Broadley's your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations. Call them at 609-390-3907. Online at Broadley's. Net, live inside the Ocean Casino Studios, it's the Sports Bash. It's time for today's edition of Five from Danny Rye. Here he is, of course, uh, bringing it to you every Tuesday and Wednesday with the five hottest topics from the mind of Danny Rye. How are we doing, Mr. Gill? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day down the shore. It feels very springish out today. Today's the first time in a while I did not wear my winter jacket outside of the house, and uh, I left around 8, 10 a.m., so that was a beautiful sight to see, no yeah. doubt about it, but I'm sure it's beautiful down the shore. Like hey, listen, the, the winters have been much more mild. Like, you know, it, it's not even cold yeah. anymore, really. No, I mean, you get the occasional below 20-degree days, but, uh, yeah, I think Puxitani Phil was definitely right when he said it was going to be an early spring this year. But without further ado, let's start off five with Danny Rye. And we're going to start five from Danny Rye with a steaming hot report fresh off the press, shall we? According to Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer, some veteran Eagles players said Nick Sirianni and his staff played favorites last season. And if you were a second tier player or a recent addition, Sirianni would, quote, target you. And obviously, I'm sure you've heard of this report and read all about it today, Mike, but uh, additionally, one player was quoted saying, I will say it doesn't help when they treat 
guys two different ways. I guess some guys can't do anything wrong. End quote. So first off, Mike, I'd like to know your general reaction to Marcus Hayes' article, as well as whether or not you think it's a big deal that Sirianni would, quote, target certain players over others this past season. Additionally, excuse my dogs in the background. All right. Well, number one, um, I, I if he's specifically targeting guys, that's different. Treating two people differently, come on, dude. This goes on everywhere. I mean, Michael right. Jordan get, doesn't get treated the same. I talked about this earlier. You know, they don't treat Michael Jordan like John Paxton. Like, Luke Longley doesn't get treated the same as Dennis Rodman. If you do, you're a fool, right? You lose the locker room if, if Luke Longley and Dennis Rodman get treated the same. This sounds like a guy who maybe didn't get playing time or didn't get enough playing time, thought he should have got more playing time, and just seems a little sour about it. Um, yeah, of course you're going to treat A.J. Brown differently than Quez Watkins. Is this Quez Watkins' quote? I know you don't know the answer, but like, right. what, does, does, does Quez Watkins think that he's supposed to get treated the same as A.J. Brown? Like, one of the parts of the article was that if you were a younger player or, like, new, like, you weren't on the team the year before, like, you got treated differently. Well, you have a yeah. different relationship with, uh, with the right. guys. Maybe Bayard or, you know, uh, Shaq Leonard, one of the new linebacker additions. It's funny you brought up Quez Watkins, though, because I immediately thought of him. Because I just go back to that game where he could have tried to break up the interception from Julian Love and didn't. They end up getting, he ends up getting, I should say, one of his two interceptions that game in the Seattle game. And then, you know, obviously if he's seeing A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith be coddled after bad games, bad fumbles, and then he's getting ripped to shreds from the media and maybe even Nick Sirianni after that game. I don't know. That's just what came first to my mind when I saw that report. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, you can't treat the lesser players the same as the star players. Now, where I kind of get confused and I, I worry that, or I at least hope that this wasn't happening, is if Sirianni is treating these lesser players, or these new guys, or you know, less talented guys differently, and he's not explaining why. Like, if you're straight up ripping into a guy, and then you're coddling Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, some of the offensive linemen. You have to explain why if you're a guy like Nick Sirianni, in my opinion. Like, if people are going to have questions. the people. Well, here's the thing with that, targeting. though. Here's the thing with that, though. Did, in his mind, is he doing what the player is suggesting? Like, I can't explain to you if I'm doing something wrong or if you're perceiving I'm doing something wrong if you don't say, hey, coach, how right. come I'm getting treated differently? Right. But if it was as blatant as this article said where he was targeting them, then I was I would hope at least that he would explain himself a little bit and be like, hey, man, listen, we see all the potential and all the talent in your game. We just need to pull it out of you. And sometimes that takes tough love. Uh, but also, I do want to move on to my second question and kind of talk some Sixers. They have a gauntlet coming up, Mike. I mean, it's not going to be easy. February is coming to a quick close and in the month of March. Just some notable Sixers opponents for you. I'm going to read them off right here. Those notable Sixers opponents include the Dallas Mavericks, Doc Rivers and the Milwaukee Bucks, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Miami Heat, the Phoenix Suns, LeBron James and the Lakers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Sacramento Kings, and then the Knicks and Clippers twice each without Joel Embiid. I mean, there's some rumors Woj was on ESPN this morning saying they might get him back in late March, but that's not going to be easy with the team as currently constructed. I mean, they've clearly been struggling. So my question is for you, with a month of those talented opponents on the horizon, do you think it's inevitable that the Sixers plummet to a play-in tournament seed by the end of the regular season? You know, Danny, it's a good question because I brought it up earlier that I just don't see a way that they hold off the three teams behind them who are all within a game and a half. You have got to somehow stay afloat while all those teams are coming after you at full strength for the most part, and you're missing the best player you have. Look, 
they have not played well without Joel Embiid. They are a non-playoff team when Joel Embiid doesn't play. So if that continues to play at the pace they're playing without Joel, what are they, like 6-15? and 15? That only, not like They're not going to not make the playoffs, but they could fall, I could say, almost all the way down. I could see them going to like the 9 spot. It's about as far back as I can see them falling, 9-10, somewhere around then. I mean, those two teams... I don't know that they go all the way out of the play-in, but I can see Philadelphia falling from where they are down past. Because right now, seven and eight are on your heels. If you fall behind right. seven and eight, you could go down to the ninth spot there. And so I could see them probably being around seven or eight by the time we even think about Joel coming back. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the Eastern Conference standings right now, the Miami Heat one game back, the Pacers one game back, the Magic, as you said, the eight seed, one and a half games back. Now there's some separation when you get to the nine seed and talk about the Bulls and then the 10 with the Hawks. They're about seven and about five and a half, give or take. But, I mean, if they continue to lose like this, I mean, their last win was against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they only beat them because there was no Donovan Mitchell. Well, you can't say they only beat them because there was no Donovan Mitchell when you don't have Joel Embiid. You're acting like they had Joel Embiid and only beat them. That You don't have Joel Embiid. You're lucky you're beating anybody. You shouldn't be giving someone else an excuse. The excuse for Cleveland is you lost to the Sixers. They didn't have Joel Embiid. I I think, honestly, it could go both ways, but you're right. I mean, they didn't have Embiid, and... At that point, the Sixers are trying to play motivated and just scrap together any wins they can. But, I mean, I'm just trying to put it in perspective. They're not winning games. The last one they did win, the other team was short man. Sure, but guess what? And those are the games where Philadelphia has to steal. Like, if you're going to win games without Joel, you've got to get those games where somebody's taking a load management night or he's sick and not playing. Like, you've got to find ways to steal games. So they have to get that kind of game. I agree, and you know, I'm glad they did get it, but I just, it's looking rough, Mr. Gill. I don't know how they're going to even stay in playoff contention. Obviously, we expect them to be in a play-in spot. Like yeah, I, said, I don't think they're in danger of not making the playoffs, but I certainly think they are going to be in the play-in situation. Now, when right. does Joel come back? Are they a game out, two games out when Joel gets back, and then he comes back? How many games does he play? That's all still up in the air. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Based on that Woj report this morning, do you think the Sixers should, I guess, rush Joel Embiid back? For, uh, no, they shouldn't rush him back. March? I said before, he only plays if he's 100%. Not this, hey, he's 85 and he's going to try to go. If he's 100%, you can't waste a year of Joel. If he's back and, says, and they say he's 100%, he's ready to right. go, you play him. But if he's like he's been in the past where he's been trying to play and you're in the play-in tournament, I don't even think you use him at that point. Well, did you see the clip from Patrick Beverly's podcast? I believe it was yesterday or the day before when he had Richard Jefferson on. One of the clips, one of the excerpts was that Joel Embiid had to get numbing cream put on his knees by the trainers just to finish games Jeez, before no, he got injured. Didn't see that so, one. Pat <laughs> Bev is the – I've tuned out Pat Bev, so – yeah, he, he's public enemy number one for Philadelphia. Although, when he did return on Sunday, he got out of the car when he was leaving, signed every single person that had something that needed to be signed. Uh, and he was very, you know, just very thankful for the fans. And he misses Philly. But he's, he's taken a few shots at the city of brotherly love the past few days. Yeah, I don't, uh, like, hate Pat Bev. I just think, like, sometimes he just talks to hear himself. 
I think he panders every city he goes to. Yeah, he just wants to, to it. He just wants to make news, I think. I think he's got a podcast, and he wants people to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Why would I listen? Because he says something. He has something to say. Well, you're right. When he finished signing those autographs for the Philly fans, he goes, subscribe to the pod, subscribe to the pod, and then he gets back to the <laughs> There you go. He's yeah. constantly promoting. Yes. All right, moving on to number three, we're going to talk a little bit more Philadelphia Eagles football, and I want to talk about another report that came out uh, about five hours ago. According to Tony Pauline of SportsKeda.com, formerly NewYorkGiants.com writer, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and Sports Illustrated, three Eagles players who play with Chiefs free agent Cornerback Legereus Sneed at Louisiana Tech are reportedly pushing for him to sign with Philadelphia. Now, obviously, that would be a massive signing in a team that needs talented cornerbacks. But I did some research, and clearly the two names, the two obvious names being thrown out are Milton Williams and Boston Scott because they played with him at Louisiana Tech. Now, there's a third one, as the report stated, and that's possibly practice squad receiver, former tight end at Louisiana State, Griffin Hebert. He never saw playing time for the Eagles this season, but... So there's three guys in the Eagles locker room that could have influence and are reportedly texting and I don't want to say begging, but that's what it seems, Legereus Sneed to come to Philadelphia. So my question for you is, Mike, how likely do you think it is that Sneed leaves a great franchise like the Chiefs to join an organization in disarray like the Eagles? Uh, I would say right now, very little because the Chiefs just franchised them. So uh, that I would did be- see that as well, but there's also... They're opening the door that if they can't agree to a long-term contract, they will at least consider it. Try trade to trade them, yes. That would be, and I was going to say, that would be the avenue that I think would make more sense with Howie Roseman is that he would go and be the guy that makes the call and gets the trade done as opposed to signing him for, you know, at, at that number. He tries to make the trade. So um, if you're looking at signing him as a free agent i think that's probably out the window right but a trade situation i think that that's more of a likely situation i don't know would you do a reddick for sneed trade <laughs> and then send hassan reddick to the kansas city chiefs to make their line better and you know possibly they get chris jones back <laughs> obviously if they you know trade sneed away they're gonna have to get chris jones back to make it a successful offseason but that would be quite the move to trade Hassan Reddick to the team you lost the Super Bowl to and make that line a little bit stronger. I don't know. I think it would be I'm obviously a huge splash for Howie Roseman, and he's known to make those. I just don't know where this cornerback room is going to go and how this secondary is going to improve, what path they're going to take, because obviously there's a bunch of excerpts from Howie Roseman in his press conference at the Combine today talking about how they need to improve uh, the cornerback room and that he believes in James Bradbury, believes he can be an outside corner and should be an outside corner. So... I'm really intrigued to see what they do once the offseason officially starts as far as addressing the secondary goes. But if they did that, oh, baby, I am back in play with this <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles team. You can forget about the second half collapse. Throw it out the window. You're back you in. Like, yeah, if you get a guy like Legereus Sneed, oh, man. But I do think, Danny, I do think that one of the signings that I said before, I think they will be aggressive when they make some moves here. I think they will be aggressive in making moves, and I I wouldn't be surprised if they did get a younger corner. I mean, that would be beautiful. Uh, They got Keely Ringo right now. He showed some flashes, but none of these guys really showed you enough, I feel like, in 2024 to solidify them in a starting role. Obviously, they can see some time, but... I, I certainly hope so, especially if you lose a guy like Hassan Reddick, you're going to need that secondary to be that much stronger because, quite frankly, the line didn't do much last year. Definitely took a step back from the Super Bowl year in 2023. You lose Hassan Reddick. Josh Sweat wasn't doing anything towards that end of the season, so you can't bank on him to produce on that defensive line. So 
I, I, you know, like I said, I certainly hope so. And Sneed would be quite the firepower start. All right, moving on to number four. I want to talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Phillies, some controversy with what's been going on over in spring training. So yesterday, the Phillies lost to the Red Sox 7-6 to six down in Clearwater. There were some notable highlights, however, to discuss. Derek Hall destroyed a solo home run into right field, and Phil's new addition, Wiz Whit Merrifield, snuck one over the left field fence <laughs> for a two-run bomb. However... While these highlights are available online to watch with the radio play-by-play underneath the videos, the game wasn't broadcasted live for fans to watch on TV. Additionally, today's game against the Minnesota Twins was also not shown on television. So here's where we get to the controversy. Mike Gill, what is your opinion on select spring training games still not being broadcasted on TV in the year 2024? Well, I mean, a lot of teams don't put games on. I mean, we're spoiled as Phillies fans that we get any games on the television most places they pick like one two just to get like some practice we're anticipating a full schedule of spring (laughs) games being put on tv because we're so damn spoiled i mean um what is my thing i mean i get it look everybody has uh like the radio situation well obviously they're on a radio every day at one o'clock in the afternoon the radio station can't put the phillies game on at one o'clock every single day for a month and a half uh they have sponsors and stuff that they have to uh to to tend to so the radio that's not possible the television side i guess but they're probably like you know, they got inventory stuff on the television side, too, that they have to deal with. Now, I'm surprised, maybe, maybe surprised that, like, they haven't come up with a way to, like, put the game. I don't even know that you can, though. You can't put the game on, like, YouTube and, like, do that because you can't offer it for free, I guess guess on youtube there'd be all sorts of copyright issues with mlb so yeah i'm not outraged by the fact that there is no philly spring training every single day i'm not necessarily outraged either but i know a lot of people that are i've seen plenty of people kind the game's not on i can't see the game like relax it's a spring training i you know i get their frustration but at the same time like do you really want to see some of these guys playing like you have to realize you know Nick Castellanos, Whit Merrifield, even some lower tier guys like Derek Hall or Edmundo Sosa, they're not playing every day. See, they're that's where that's where you and I always differ. I don't care who's playing. If I'm a fan, I'm just watching the game because oh, I enjoy on. the game. I'm not you there care. to you care if some guy they signed to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training who literally, like, for example, David Buchanan pitched overseas for, like, seven years. I know exactly years. who he is. I watched him pitch the first time he was in Philly. So did I. And he was so terrible then. Um, no, I'm watching, like, Sunday, for instance, okay? The game is on. The Sixers are on. What did you watch? I watched both. I, I went back and forth. Right, but what, what, okay, if you could only have watched one, which one were you more fixated in? I was interested to see how the Sixers were going to do against the Bucks, but I think deep down I knew they weren't going to win that game. But if I had to choose, probably Sixers just to see what this team looked like against a top team in the East. All right, so I went Sixers for the first half, Phillies on the laptop, and then I switched them. At halftime of the Sixer game, they went to the laptop in the Phillies. It wasn't about who was playing in the Phillies game. It was, hey, it's a baseball game. It's Sunday afternoon. Right. I'm just kind of comfortable with this game right now. I don't care that uh, I didn't see Bryce Harper playing. 
Yeah, yeah. And I don't necessarily want to see these top stars playing either in meaningless spring training games, at least a ton. I want to see a few games, obviously. But I was more so saying my message to the fans that want every single game on TV. Oh, yeah. Do you want to watch a guy who has no shot at making the roster strike out three out of four times? You know what I mean? Uh, But I don't know. I get their frustration. It's just... It's spring training baseball. And I get it, too, as Philadelphia Phillies fans, because have you seen how they're packing? Yeah, some people like baseball, that's all. I mean, they're packing in, what's it called, Baycare Ballpark down there? Oh, that's not a surprise. They, they jam that stadium every game. Yeah, that's why they're so outraged. They're the ones that can't afford to get down there, can't even watch it on TV. Uh, but I do want to get to my fifth and final question to wrap up five with Danny Rye here. Obviously, the big thing in Philadelphia sports news today was the press conference of Nick Sirianni, and Howie Roseman. So I want to ask you, Mike Gill, what was your biggest takeaway from the press conference at the NFL Combine today? And did it make you feel any better about the atrocious second half collapse last season? Well, no, it didn't make me feel any better about that. And I was my biggest takeaway is that nobody asked the question about Dom DeSandro. Like, was this true? <laughs> like, nobody asked that question. Like, that was the biggest thing for me. Like, I don't think there was anything else that was said that was like, okay, that stood up. I mean, he, he talked about Reddick, but he spun around in circles about that that the AJ Brown hurts stuff he kind of said yeah you know Hurts is a leader and Brown's a leader of the team there was nothing that was like the biggest takeaway was that nobody asked hey is there any validity to this you know like Howie are you okay like with the reporting that you're hearing that your coach needed the big dom especially the window was open when he said hey big dom what are you over there watching uh, uh John Lynch now did you see that part I did not. I was actually kind of half working, half driving home during majority of the press conference, but I got a chance to catch up on it. I will say this. I agree with you. These questions today that were asked were very, very weak. And now you can only go so far in the press conference. You're not going to be like, why'd you guys suck last year? Why'd you collapse and go one and seven in the final eight? But I mean, like you said, like ask about these reports that have just been swirling we're getting so much thrown in our lap right now about what could have happened what could have led to this eagles collapse and even the marcus hayes report today i mean let's ask about that and like you know obviously he's gonna beat around the bush even if if he asked it but yeah from the chance to address it a little bit you know what i mean overall i think what I gained from that press conference is I try to give Nick Sirianni so many chances to win me over with his vocabulary and the way he speaks in press conferences. I can't deal with any more. So, uh, you know, uh, we hired Kellen for, uh, you know, so uh, I, I can't do it anymore. Like, I don't even know what he's saying half the time. And that might be his goal, just like saying so many filler words to the point where you're not going to get any valuable information out of him. <laughs> Mike, I just can't do it anymore. Well, I mean, I, that's like the case again. When his opening presser, he was terrible. Uh, people ripped him. He got them to the right. Super Bowl. So haven't we learned not to judge the press conference? I, yes, in a sense. But I also thought he started to improve. Like, I'm not even basing it off of the Super Bowl appearance or anything like that. Because, yes, like, you're right. Once you make the Super Bowl, people are going to care less about how you speak in press conferences because your success backs it up. I think just for me in general, success or not, I don't even know what the guy's saying half the time anymore. I tr- I truly don't. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting press conference today. I will say my biggest takeaway, they they beat it around the Hassan Reddick bush. And they could have easily said he's under contract next season. He's a Philadelphia yeah. Eagle. And they really just didn't address it that way. So things may get ugly. He may come back. I'm leaning on the side of he's probably going to be in another uniform next year. Ooh. Maybe a Kansas City Chiefs Maybe uniform. Maybe a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. All right, that <laughs> is today's five 
from Danny Rye. He'll be back tomorrow with five more Phillies and uh, uh, Twins tied today. You have uh, Sixers and Celtics tonight and Flyers and Lightning tonight. So three teams in action on this Tuesday, and Danny Rye has five more tomorrow. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Mike. Going to be lots of debrief tomorrow. I'll talk to you. That will. He'll be debriefing me right around 4.30 here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. We'll keep it here. And, of course, uh, Jeff Kerr coming up in the next hour. We'll talk to him about what he took away from Jeffrey Lurie, not Jeffrey Lurie, from Howie Roseman and uh, Nick Sirianni. Both of those guys, as you heard uh, Danny Wright ask me about, I don't think there was a huge takeaway. I really don't. like As much as I want to say, well, he said this, and I, I just don't think that there was a huge takeaway there. I mean, he got asked about both coach and GM got asked about uh, Hassan Reddick, and they both kind of danced around the Reddick thing, and, and Roseman said, look, he says, I'll say this. Hassan obviously is an unbelievable player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Local kid, success story, Camden, Temple, Philly, love having Hassan. I think anything you're trying to do, you're trying to blend obviously what you're doing this year and how you're going to look in the future. I think that's the hardest job, he says. So he's basically saying, I don't want to answer this question right now because I don't have an answer for you. Like, I'm not going to tell you, yes, we're going to sign Hassan to an extension or Yes, we're going to try to trade Hassan Reddick. And one of the questions was, what's the best case scenario? And Roseman just said, I think honest communication is the best case scenario with all your players and understanding where you, I mean, he just basically said, whoop, next question, please. I want nothing to do with this Reddick stuff right now. But hey, good for the people trying to ask the question to get it out of them. But Roseman's a pretty savvy guy here. He knows that he's not giving you anything. In that situation, as far as um, Sirianni, he was asked about um, Reddick as well, and he gave equally as little, although I think he did, as Danny said, give you a little bit more word salad. I mean, he did try to give you a little bit more to be like, wait, did he did he say anything about Reddick in that situation? He said, obviously, we'll see how it plays out. I don't know how it will play out. Hassan's been awesome for us these last two years. Big reason why we've been to the playoffs the last two years is the contributions of Hassan. He's played really, really outstanding football. We'll see how that plays out, and hopefully he's an eagle. So he essentially gave you nothing (laughs) in that. uh, We'll see how it plays out. Now, you can make the assertion that it played out or that the way they answered it is, they know he's not coming back, and they're just trying to make it sound his way if you want to read into things. All right, Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk to CBS Sports NFL writer Jeff Kerr right here on the Sports Bash. But before we get to Jeff, I got another chance for you to qualify for that Phillies road trip to Baltimore to see the Phillies at Camden Yards this summer. Yes, indeed. We're giving one lucky listener and a friend a pair of tickets, round trip, down to Baltimore, Phillies Orioles, thanks to Philly Sports Trips. Caller 7-609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller 7 right now. You will be entered 
at our Phillies watch party on opening day. Phillies, Braves, 3 o'clock. Maynards and Margate. You must be present to win, caller 7. But everybody is invited to the Phillies watch party at Maynards and Margate. Caller 7, good luck. Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live, here's Mike Gill. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike Gill with you to the top of the hour. Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports is here. Definitely interested to see his takeaways from Sirianni and Roseman today. They spoke at the Combine. What were some of the highlights for Jeff Kerr? We'll bring him in and get his thoughts on that and more right now on the Sports Bash where obviously, Jeff, uh, Roseman and Sirianni, a lot of people were looking forward uh, to this and uh, to hear some of the answers. I don't know that everything we wanted to hear asked got asked today, uh, but do you have a couple of cliff notes of the Roseman? Let's start with Roseman. He went first today. Uh, Anything stand out from Roseman? If I said Jeff Kerr, I want you to write an article for CBSSports.com about the highlights of Roseman. What stood out? Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Mike. So I, I got to be honest with you. When you first present this question, I didn't get that much uh, in terms of Roseman or Sirianni. I feel like Sirianni said a whole lot of nothing. I, I feel like Roseman just doesn't want to play his hand right now. Like, you know, it's I feel like everybody just still wants answers on why this team lost six to seven. And to be honest, I I still don't know if we know any more now than what we did two months ago. I mean, we keep hearing stuff like about the leadership and about, I I feel like more's come out on Nick Seriani than anything else. And, you know, in terms of what Howie Roseman and them are doing, like, you know, how can I put this, Vaguely, Mike, <laughs> it, it just seems like it was a whole lot of nothing from Howie today in terms of, oh, well, yeah, we could add this second there. We could add a linebacker role. We tried to find. I, I think we do know that he doesn't plan on improving at defensive tackle. How's that? Uh, maybe. I mean, what happens if, um, I would say Jeff Kerr doesn't come back. If Fletcher Cox doesn't come back, <laughs> do, then doesn't he have to think about adding another player there? I, you would think, but. They do have three guys that they like, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Milton Williams, but I, I think they should bring Fletcher Cox back if push comes to shove. Unless they don't like how Fletcher Cox was perceived in that locker room last year, which I think Fletcher's a leader. I think Fletch is kind of like a silent assassin, if you will. He tells you how he thinks if he needs to tell you how he thinks, but you don't ask for it. I think Fletch just leads a different way. And I think there were a lot of guys on that team that did not like the way he led. Uh, I think Fletch is one of those guys. He doesn't talk unless he has to. All right. Uh, What do you make of, uh, if anything, from the Hassan Reddick stuff? That was one, I guess, topic that the reporters did try to press on and, and asked a couple of different ways to both Roseman and Sirianni. Did you make anything of the, do you read the tea leaves uh, or, or between the lines on that one at all? Uh, you know what, my it, it, it's tough because I feel like the whole Nick divide right now. I just gotta say it's between. I, I'm still 
I tweeted this today. I, I think Nick's got a lot to prove in 2024. And everybody goes, well, he's winning. He's going to play. It's not about that. It's about your relationships with your guys, right? And, you know, you keep hearing the words accountability. So where's Nick's accountability in this, right? He's given favoritism, according to the Marcus Ace report, and I can back this up. There probably is some favoritism there with certain players on that team compared to others, and I'm curious how that's perceived. All right, so I want to get uh, some more on that then because when you hear, okay, there's favoritism, doesn't that happen in all walks of life everywhere? Like Michael Jordan doesn't get treated the same as John Paxton, right? I mean, Joel Embiid's not the same as Paul Reed. So is this a surprise or do we think there is actually, you know, like – for instance, I can envision Quez Watkins being the guy that says to Marcus Hayes, well, I'm not getting treated the same as A.J. Brown. All right, well, no crap. Or are we talking about Devontae Smith saying, hey, A.J. and Hurts get treated differently than me and Dallas? Something to that effect. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends what locker room it's in, right? Um, you know, obviously – Coaching college is different from coaching the pros. I, I think there is some favoritism a little bit in college in terms of the NIL stuff. But with the pros, I, I, I think it's hypocritical when you say togetherness and accountability and then you're favoring certain guys. Maybe that's just me. But, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't even think of the Quez Watkins example. That could be the guy. But if, I'll say it's for Quez. Quez don't really talk to anybody, so it may not be him. But – Oh, and I, I'm not. I, I don't know that. It, I'm yeah. just saying. Okay, yeah. let's say Zacchaeus is the guy. Okay, well, of course Zacchaeus is going to get treated <laughs> differently um, than 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 the other guys. Um, you know, Boston Scott. Uh, maybe he said, uh, you know, for over the years, uh, I can't imagine. But I'm just saying, like, this doesn't sound like a surprising thing to me. I, I wasn't surprised, but I was kind of surprised it came out. How's that? Like, oh well. I mean, look, the Eagles enable some of this stuff, too. I mean, look at how Jalen Hurts is in that locker room. Every time Jalen Hurts talks to somebody, there's, like, security all around or, you know, people all around him. Like, you don't see that with, I don't know, um, let me just throw a name out here, um, Jack Stoll. But Jalen Hurts is also the franchise quarterback. You kind of expect that, right? Like, that's your guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think – like the question that was asked to Nick Sirianni, and, and you can kind of, you know, give your thoughts on this as well, that Jalen Hurts needs to lead, you know, about being a leader more. Like he was asked that question. Do you think he needs to kind of, you know, uh, evolve in that role? What do you think there? You know what? I I said this the other day on WIP when I was asked about the A.J. Brown thing, and I said, you know what? Jalen Hurts is actually the smartest man in the building right now. You ever notice you don't hear a peep out of him about anything? And, of course, you're going to have people questioning that. But I just think Jalen Hurts leads by a different way. Like Nick said, he leads by example. Well, he's probably the hardest worker in the room. Um, You know, no disrespect to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown works hard, too. But I kind of think Jalen Hurts is the hardest worker on that football team just based on what he demonstrates and what he shows and I, I just think Jalen leads a different way than maybe an A.J. Brown leads or a Darius Slade No leads, question. But. No question, right? I mean, but that's yeah. the whole point of this is I think what Sirianni is saying is like, no, you know, there's not a book on being like, yes, there are books you can go buy, but that doesn't mean there's only one book. You know, it, it's like everything. This guy teaches hitting one way and this guy teaches a yeah. different style of hitting. There is no one way to be a leader, but – 
if your way is not working, you might need to tweak that it is, I think, fair. Oh, I think it's fair, too. So, you know, it, it's funny. I, I when I always hear about leadership, like when I played football. There were guys that were loud and there were guys like me who were loud, but they were loud a different way. I was the shut the bleep up guy, you know. So it, it's a different way of leadership. I never question anybody else lead, leading like that. But you're right. Like. Maybe Jalen needs to adjust that a little bit, but again, this wasn't a problem when they were ten and one. So, well, isn't that what isn't that what Sirianni was kind of trying to get across? Is like, hey, nobody questioned the culture of this team in twenty twenty two, or even for the first you know eleven games of this season. All of a sudden, the culture around here stinks uh, because we had. I mean, is six weeks more of a sample size than the year and 11 weeks, I think is what he's trying to get at. I think, to me, what bothered me about this team, even when they were 10-1, and one, they, maybe they should have bought into themselves a little more. I think they knew, and A.J. Brown kind of admitted this, they knew they really weren't 10-1. and one. And I'm always on the mindset, you're 10-1, and one, you're 10-1. and one. I don't care how you got there. You know, I, I always hated the whole, oh, well, they don't blow teams out. I, who cares? Who cares if you don't blow them out? Yeah, I'm not you a know? big fan of, uh, you know, what, this is the interesting part. And I brought this up last week. I want to get your opinion on it, Jeff. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports NFL writer. So the year before, a lot of people would say, well, they haven't beaten anybody. Yeah, they didn't beat anybody. And then they went to the Super Bowl. And it was, well, they didn't really beat anybody. And they went to the Super Bowl. So the next year, they start beating people. They well, they they start to beat people. Right, they beat Kansas City. They beat Buffalo. They beat Dallas. That is the perplexing part about all of this. Is the year before the detractors didn't believe in this team. They didn't think they were any good. They didn't beat anybody. So then the next year they do come out of the gates winning ten out of eleven and beating good teams along the way, and then they kind of fall apart. That is where it is. So who are they? Are they the team from the year before that didn't beat anybody and people didn't think were any good? Or were they this really good team that underachieved? I don't know what to make of that whole, like, synopsis. That's what's the confusing part about it. Like, if I'm supposed to buy into the detractors who said, well, they never really beat anybody, so they weren't good to begin with. Were they good for 10 games? You know what I'm saying? Like, it is a weird the whole thing is still weird. And when you said at the beginning of this, people still want to know why the whole last couple of weeks happened. I think that's why, because we're not sure what to think. Exactly. Everybody wants an answer to everything. So I still regret this as a reporter, but I like to talk to players here on or off the record. A lot of them like to mention to me, the 49ers and the Cowboys, I wish I would have thought of this. I'm like, oh, you mean the teams that you guys played on, they had extra rest? Those teams. Because that's what I would have told them if I was one of their coaches in their locker. I'm like, well, hold on a second, guys. You're playing them. The 49ers played on Thanksgiving, and you played them on December 3rd, and you were coming off your toughest game of the season against Buffalo. You can shake that up. Oh, by the way, now you got to play Dallas, who had some time off. So you got to shake that off. And they didn't. And I really think everything came to a head that Seattle game. I think if they won't won that Seattle game, they would have been fine. Because I think that's... But then when they lost that game, everything just seemed to spiral. And I really do think they overreacted with the Sean Desai thing, too. Well, and, and that's the thing. 
is the Sean Desai thing just adds to the fact that they felt like they panicked. Now, we were talking about this last hour when I had Adam Kaplan on for football at four, and he said, you got to remember, they hired Desai so late in the game, he couldn't really bring his staff or any guys with him. And you're wondering, like, how much that affected his ability to do his job the way he wanted to. You know what? And you're going to see that with the 49ers this year, too, because they fired Steve Wilkes. You know, they're looking at Brandon Staley. Well, Brandon Staley going to be able to bring in his people? Like, you, we do know what day it is, right? It's February 27th. That's late to be hiring coordinator. Really late. And I remember the Eagles hired Desai. Well, it's, not only, it's not only the fact it's late to hire the coordinator, and then for the coordinator to be able to go out and get his staff that he wants – Otherwise, you're just basically getting holdovers. And I think one of the things that Sirianni kind of, you know, said that, you know, like that they weren't as focused on certain, like maybe their coaching wasn't as focused on the details because maybe their coaching wasn't as good. Yeah. You know what? I think, and again, this is my take on the whole thing with the side. I always looked at it as I think some of the players thought he should simplify things. That's that was my take on it. And the Eagles took it the other way and said, Well, you don't like the guy. And no, they're like, no, we don't want him fired. We just wanted to change some things up here a little bit. And they, they just went the other way with it. That's what it seems to me anyway. Yeah. Because they, these issues were creeping in week six, week seven, and they really started coming to a hold. I was starting to get worried about their defense um, the week they beat Dallas. Because remember, they just let Dallas go right down the field. Right down the field when they had a big lead. And they scored easily. And then if it wasn't for uh, that big play by, I think it was Brandon Graham with Dak. Um, when did Dak take the ground? I'm forgetting week nine. I got to watch week nine again. But with Dak, did his bonehead. Oh, when, when Brandon Graham sacked Dak Prescott. That's what it was. And Dak took the sack. I'm like... Okay, so if it wasn't for Dak being Dak, Eagles probably lose that game. Yeah, oh, there's no question about it. And, you know, I remember that week saying the difference right now, and in the end, like, it it turned out to be accurate. Um, I said the difference between Philadelphia and Dallas right now are the attention to detail. Philadelphia wins that game because they have much better attention to detail than Dallas does. And look, in the end, Philadelphia's attention to detail started to fall apart, but Dallas never had the attention to detail, which is why they still can't win when they have the more talented roster. It's crazy, right? And Dallas should still have a talented roster next year. And I, I, I you know, when Cowboys fans think I'm such a hater when I say it, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not hating. I'm telling you the reality of it. Yeah. The reality you know, of why Dallas comes up short, as I've said for years, they have the most talented roster. They're coaching is where they lack. And I think the Cowboys fans have started to notice that and almost come to terms with it now. But we'll see. I mean, they're you still going like, with McCarthy. It's funny. They are they are so easy to read, right? After they lost the Eagles, I'm like, they're going to blow out the Panthers. They're going to blow out the Commanders. They're going to blow out these bad teams. And they did because that's just what they do. And I'm like, just come talk to me in January. Yeah, well, and, I, and that's the that's the – they have the talent to do that to those type of teams. They they are just so much more talented than a Carolina and the teams that you mentioned. It's can the attention to detail that you lack comes into play in those big games. 
Exactly. Yeah. And you saw a Green Bay team that got hot that has more talent than probably people knew. I was starting to notice it around November, and look, they became the first seven seed to be a two seed, and now all of a sudden they're – Green Bay thinks they can go to Super Bowl next year, and I really can't blame them for thinking that. Well, if they think they have the quarterback, there's no reason why they shouldn't think that. Like, if you have that player at that position and you competed at the way that you did in the playoffs last year, you would think that we're ready to take the next step. They got they were right there this year, so why shouldn't they take the next step? I want to present this to you since you mentioned the quarterback. Do you think Jalen Hurts has a bad year if he doesn't have 21 giveaways? Say it's 10 that's a really good question. Like, if he didn't, I guess part of the reason why, I think the biggest problem with Jalen this year was he just wasn't the same dynamic player in the run game and the pass game. And a lot of that was he did turn the ball over a lot, but he also was just a different. I remember last year, all year long, you would say he made the right decision 95% of the time on whether to hand it off, keep it himself pull it out, throw. He never made the wrong decision, it felt like. This year, it felt like he never made the right decision. Was it the Cardinals game when everybody was upset over the quote-unquote play calling by Sariani or Johnson or whatever? And I'm like, well, hold on a second. One of those plays was an RPO, and the quarterback kept it. I don't think that was the plan. He kept it, and he lost 10. That ain't... Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni. Yeah, you know, I I feel like Hertz just made and and I don't know did was he told not to run? Did he choose not to run? Did they try to limit his running? All of that stuff comes into play. I I think part of it was yeah they want him to dial back on the running and I think we saw that in Week One with the Patriots and I think that hit he took was it. Jabril Peppers that hit him when he forced a fumble, I think that kind of started everything. Yeah, I mean, they did him no favors um, if that's what they said. Hey, don't go out, take hits. And look, I get it. You don't want your guy getting hurt. Like, you, you don't want your guy that you just paid $250 million to to take a hit, but you also then limited the effectiveness. And the one thing that Sirianni said, I think it was this week or so last year, you know, we paid him in part because of what he did with his legs. Why would we then pull that back? Well, you did. Well, you know what upsets me? You want to protect your investment? The Cincinnati Bengals have a franchise quarterback that literally pulled the calf muscle just running in camp. Stuff happens. Yeah. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports. Um, I guess a lot of the buzz at the Combine is what the Bears are going to do. Do you have a thought there? Man, that's... You know what? They're in a glorious position, but it's a tough position. I mean, doesn't it feel like even if um, the great Peter King's retiring, he might be in the know of what's going on when he kind of hinted that they might just trade that pick? It sounded to me, Polls today sounded like a guy who knows the inevitable, but he just doesn't want to talk about it. And that's Justin Fields. Well, that he's going to have to trade him. Uh, like somebody brought up the point, yeah. I forget where I, I might have been on Sports Center today that they were talking about this. That if they don't want the number one pick, they're not even grappling with this decision. Like they're happy that they have Fields and they're going back with this team. The fact that they have the number one pick is the only reason why this decision is, you know. And some would say, well, of course, because the quarterback is there. But it's not that they don't like Fields, but they are conflicted by multitude of things of. 
Do I want to pay $40 million for Fields? Do I get to start over with a lesser contract and then we can build a team around a guy who might be even better than Fields? I don't envy the position that they're in, but I think there's only really one spot here unless you are willing to keep Fields and keep trading. Trade back one spot and then trade again and just load the roster up with young players. Yeah, it's tough because I think they have a good roster now. But how much better does it look with Caleb Williams? That's what it, it, that's what it comes down to me. Do you think Caleb Williams is better than Justin Fields? If so, I think you take Caleb Williams. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the evaluation that they have to go through, right? Is do you? But, but you know what bothers me about Caleb Williams? And again, it's kind of the same thing that bothers me about Justin Fields. I don't know Justin Fields from Adam and Eve, but. It just looks to me, it always looked like a bad look to me when things went wrong for Justin Fields in college. I know things have changed, but I'm not the starting quarterback in Georgia. I ain't going to play in Georgia. I'm going to go play at Ohio State. Or I got to compete with Sean Clifford at Penn State. How dare he? How dare me? I have to go somewhere else. I have been on the record saying I do not think that Caleb Williams will be a franchise quarterback. He might be good. He might be talented. But I don't like the way that he's handled it either that's the thing i I, Caleb williams has had some interesting stuff that he's caused in the news over the last what five months in terms of playing on the field like him not throwing at the combo i could care less yeah yeah but it's just stuff he did his senior year at usc and somehow he was so productive going through all this uh, Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports, a lot of stuff happening. We are uh, basically like 15 days away from the start of NFL free agency. So a lot happening. The Combine's going on. And, of course, we'll have Jeff back on to do more NFL here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Jeff Kerr, you're a gentleman and a scholar, my friend. Yeah, you know what, uh, Mike? Uh, I'm actually—I actually gave you some time today, believe it or not. So I'm off for three days until uh, the combine actually gets going. So we'll enjoy them. I was like, I was like, of course, Mike Gill, I'll, I'll jump on. By the way, <laughs> uh, you're gonna have me on uh, when I'm in Orlando for the owners' meetings next month. I'll have to. You have to let me know when you're down there. Yeah. Uh, well, it's actually after spring training. Good. All right. I, I, perfect. I might as well, you know what? I don't even think I'm going to be home much of March now, now that I think about it. I'm going to Vegas next week, going to Clearwater, going to Orlando. There you go. Well, who's got a better job than you? Nobody. Oh, I know. That's what I said. I can't complain. Like, I, I, always wanted to, I always like traveling, so there you go. Well, then, yes, we will have you on at the owners' meetings. All right. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Jeff Kerr, everybody, from CBS Sports at Jeff Kerr, CBS here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Always a lively discussion with Jeff Kerr. By the way, congratulations to Jeff in Beach Haven. Jeff, you are qualified for a chance to see the Phillies play in Baltimore against the Orioles at Camden Yards. We'll have a Phillies watch party opening day at Maynard's and Margate. We'll all be out there watching the Phils opening day against the Braves. And oh, by the way, we're giving away a trip to Baltimore to see the Phillies and the Orioles. Hey, Flyers fans, it's time to level up your game day ritual with the ultimate power duo, the Flyers and Union Forge Vodka. Cheer on the Flyers with the best tasting vodka produced right here in Philly. Grab a Union Forge bottle today. And this weekend, Flyers fans, you can come out and see us at a couple of stops. We'll have Flyers tickets to give away. I'll have more details on that. 
before the show ends tonight on how you can come out and win Flyers tickets this weekend with Union Forge Vodka and the Sports Bash. Coming up next, it's today's Big Three. We have the perfect for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Hey, don't I think forget. He's not- I think he's an outside guy. I think when you look at the at the skill set there, I think that, you know, that was one of the positions that as we got into the summer, we kind of knew we needed some depth there. We gave some guys opportunities to do it. You know, I got to do a better job of bringing in more guys to be able to play that position. I think that's one area that kind of you felt like in August maybe we need to add. So we tried some guys. But when you look at JB and his history and his success as an outside corner, to ask him to do something, which is really a different position, is hard. Howie Roseman earlier today when asked about James Bradbury's future in Philadelphia. Is he an outside guy? Is he going to be back next year? Uh, He was pretty candid about that. He's an outside guy. I need to do a better job of finding players to play that position. And he did say that Bradbury is under contract and that he is in the plans for next year. Mike, that's my number one of the big three today. I thought that was one of the biggest quotes from the entire presser today because there were basically three little mini elements encapsulating all of it. One of them being that Howie Roseman projects James Bradbury as an outside corner despite some people, Mike, trying to get Bradbury to change positions. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think they played him last year at that uh, inside slot corner, and it did not go very well. Mm -hmm. So I think he's right about this. Like, hey, you are an outside corner. And look, I said this earlier in the show, his salary is a rough one to just cut and move on from. I think they owe it to themselves to bring him into camp and make sure that he can't play anymore. What if they get there and he, like I said before, there was a lot of reports that like certain players in the secondary weren't talking to the coordinator. Right. What if it was James Bradbury that just didn't get along with the guy and didn't like the defense? But what if Fangio comes in and says, I have the answer? Possible, but there's a lot of stuff in Miami this week about Xavier Howard and um, Jalen Ramsey saying that Fangio used them poorly. That doesn't sound great, but... Yeah, well, they they also you're talking about a team full of a bunch of guys who they were front runners. They everything was great when they were winning, but as soon as they started losing, that's they got everywhere. Injured, that's everywhere, they right? Complained. Um, but you know, you get Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard both kind of saying, "Hey, it was criminal the way that uh, th- this guy." Uh, they they kept, they didn't mention him by name, but they basically said the way the guy used us. Uh, we're never going to let that happen again. Same Xavier Howard who might be cut by the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> well, you get, but that's my point: is he got? Did he get cut because of the way he was used, and that he was he played poorly because he was used poorly? That's what I'm saying about Bradbury. Did he have a bad year because they used him poorly? It's, I think I think they used him poorly. That was my position throughout the year. The other part of what Howie said, Mike, is that. He's got to do a better job 
at bringing in talent at corner. Howie, you've talked about before, Howie will admit when he makes mistakes. What is your takeaway from him admitting that mistake? Well, I mean, listen, that's not one that is like, hey, I'm going out on a limb here to say we need to, I need to do a better job in that area. That's obvious. They, they have not been able to find corners. They haven't drafted well. They haven't been able to develop them. They've traded for some. So I don't – look, I don't understand why it's so hard – when you make mistakes for people to be like, hey, I got that wrong. I mean, I think people will be more forgiving to you if you like no one gets all things 100 percent right. It's just impossible to do. So when you make a mistake, get out in front of it and say, hey, we drafted so and so. It didn't work out like so many times. These teams try to play somebody because they drafted them when they can't play. And, and it just makes you look worse. And they act like they're obligated, right? Well, yeah, it's like we drafted this guy in the third round, so you got to keep playing him. Well, you know he can't play. You've seen it now. So just because you drafted him in the second round doesn't mean you have to keep throwing him out there. Just say we got it wrong. Which I don't bring, know why people don't do that. Which brings me to this nugget. So for those who didn't hear, you and Danny Ryan touched on this a little bit during the five with Danny Ryan the last hour. Jeremy Fowler is reporting that the Chiefs have informed Legereus Sneed they are prepared to use the franchise tag and are open to consummate a trade if a long-term deal is not reached. So, should Howie Roseman be grabbing a beer with Brett Veach tonight? Absolutely. Like, if you think that you can get a trade there, you have a situation where a team, this is where Howie does his work. You know, a couple years ago, Ronald Darby, that situation, they went out and made a trade there. They did it with uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So, yeah, I definitely think this is one where you get on the, um, on, on the, at the bar, get out the napkin and start mapping out possibilities. Here's what we have. This is what we can offer. This is, uh, you know, this is something we'd be interested in if you're thinking about trading them. No question about it i mean i would love i think one of my dream scenarios would be just like to be the fly on the wall during a howie roseman negotiation just any see, of these negotiations i would love just to hear like how, how these does that conversation start. go i would love to yeah the 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 the, the how all of these uh professional sports team um discussions end up yeah no question we all I feel like in our in our lives that we have been a part like, you know, you call the guy looking for a fantasy football trade. <laughs> I'm sure these are a little more complicated than that. Right. Though. But I'm saying like, you know, that that is like the closest thing we have. Like we can't most of us can't play. Right. That's why we always talk about fans always blame the coach. Right. Because they know they're not good enough to be a player. So it's like I can't be critical of a guy that's better than me. But I think I that's the thing. Most people think they could coach, and they can't. <laughs> That's the problem. And, and I don't even say it like, um, like I don't even like. For instance, not, it doesn't mean that you can't coach, meaning that you don't understand the game. Do you know how much goes into running an organization and mapping out a practice and having like? Just on that level. Like, some people think, like, I know the game. I'm not saying me. I'm just saying, like, people think, I know the game, and therefore I'm qualified to coach. You might know the game, but can you have an organized practice every single day with running? How many coaches are on a staff in the NFL? like 20, isn't there? I think that number might be light, maybe. (laughs) But, like, for 
a major league baseball team. Can you imagine running a spring training every single day? What they have to like do to prepare to get ready for a season, and like. I have signs that we use for when our batters are up. Like, I can't even imagine how these guys come up with these signs for stuff. Like, that they have to implement and all of the things. Like, there is so much more that goes into it than just knowing the game. I go back to what Britton Covey told you at Radio Row in Las Vegas when he said, you know, people don't understand the amount of work that goes into just being an offense coordinator about managing the personalities and preparing for the game and he said it's hard for guys who are not used to all that yeah i mean listen i like to think just as much as the next person that i know plenty about baseball would be the game that i would know and have a better understanding than any of the other games in terms of coaching Mm -hmm. i certainly don't i know i couldn't coach uh or design an offense in football or defense in football Maybe if I sat down and thought about it, but like I give those people a lot of credit that come up with like offensive play design and where the blockers go and who's pulling and what, you know, it's almost like I was watching on Amazon Prime has a lot of these um, where they go behind the scenes of like a great album and like the story of how that album got put together. I just watched the Fleetwood Mac rumors about how they put that album together. Okay. But like. Being the person that writes the music to get it to sound right with all of the instruments and the lyrics. Like, to me, like, I can't do that. Like, I don't have, like, the ability to, like, how do you write the the music out to sound like that and the notes and everything? Like, to me, that is amazing. That is, to me, like, guys who come up and design an offense. And it's one thing to design, okay, I'm running an offense at, Pleasantville High School, the amount of detail that has to go into that to get to the next level and then the next level. And think about, I say the next level, the next level. You're talking about there's high school, then there's junior college football, then there's Division Three football, then there's Division Two football. There's one double A, which I know is not called one double A anymore, but whatever they called it (laughs) is stupid. And then there's Division One football. Mm. And then there's the NFL. Like, think about how many steps of evolution of what your offense would look like when you started in, like, junior football, go to, like, high school football, all the way. Like, there's a lot there. I give those people a ton of credit. Well, you may not know how to make an NFL offense, Mike, but I am going to ask you to comment on a potential NFL rules change. That's story number two today. Stephen Jones, who's a member of the competition committee, told the media today that he expects there to be a change to the kickoff rule this upcoming year. So Jones says the committee is discussing a one-year change as a trial, and one of the options that's been presented is the XFL model, where the kicking team lined up at the opponent's 35 and the return team lined up at the 30 with only the kicker and the return allowed to move until the ball is touched. I mean, at this point, either do away with it or, yeah, make a drastic change. What you have going on right now is a joke. Apparently, John Fossil, the Cowboys special teams coordinator, is the one presenting the XFL rule to the committee. If this is in front of you and you are a committee voter... To vote no 
is insanity. There's just no other way to do it. What you have going on right now, it is not impacting the game at all. There is no impact in the game. This would be a huge upgrade over the rule. Of the 2,698 kickoffs last season, only 587 were returned. That's ridiculous. It's a waste of a play. It's a waste of a play. It's a waste of time. They come back. They show the kickoff. The ball goes into the end zone, and they go right back to commercial. Yeah, Jones said, quote, they don't want it to be a ceremonial play. We want it to be a real play. And they're right. That play is a job for people. You have a player on the team who could be a difference maker, a Devin Hester who could go to the Hall or going to the Hall, going of, the Fame Hall of Fame yeah. because he could do that, and you've taken that out of the game. Yeah, maybe Britton Covey go to the Hall of Fame one day if you actually let him return some kicks. I'm not sure about that. Well, I was being hopeful. Uh, Mike, story number three. So there are more and more head coaches joining this chorus of banning court storming after games. Mm-hmm. Bill Self is the latest head coach to join the get-off-my-lawners and saying get rid of the fun for the students. Well, this morning on Gojo and Golick on DraftKings Network, Mike Golick Jr. has his proposal to fix everything. He says this is how we fix everyone's opposing views on court storming. Right, haven't heard this, so. Ready? I got the solution because I know what college kids like, and I know what crowds in general at sporting events like. Free stuff, baby. So walk with me on this. What local brand will step up to the plate and do what we see for free throws all the time? So-and-so on the opposing team misses two free throws. Everybody gets two free chicken sandwiches at Chick-fil-A or whatever the place is around campus right there. You get the opposing team successfully off the court before you storm that thing. Everybody in the crowd that night is getting free Taco Bell or whatever you want on the other side of this right here. you got to speak the love language of drunk college people. And the love language of drunk college people is free food. What will get students to self-police the other? The prospect of free drunk food on the backside of this celebration. So if you don't storm the court, you get free Chick-fil-A Until nuggets. the opposing team is off the court, he yeah. says. I like the thought. I think it's clever, and it's not a horrible idea. I don't know that that's going to fly. You don't, you don't think people would be like, bro, you got to wait a minute so we can get our Taco Bell? I, you might not get the mass hysteria of people on the court. So possible, possible. I, I give it an A for effort, no question. Okay, you give like, them the effort. I, I like again, and maybe I'm wrong on this. Okay, I have no problem if somebody has multiple, multiple examples. I just don't see where there has been multiple examples of this being a. You might say it's dangerous. I think. The look of it maybe to people is dangerous, more so than it's been dangerous. I don't right. know. Well, the reason why Goalie Jr. brought this up as well is because he talked about how he has been on both sides of this because he said as a player, he was on the field for one of the games that Notre Dame lost, and they stormed the field. And then he, he was a fan at a basketball game where Notre Dame got an upset, and he stormed the court with the people. So he said for him, he wants to bridge the negative yeah. and the positive. It's not it. a bad idea. I, I don't think that it would. I think it's a great idea because to me it's like this is you, you got to have a, a peace offering for both sides to shut up and let the kids have fun. Yeah. 
Free food, baby. Free food. Free food. Free food. All right. Uh, Sports Bash Live. That's today's big three. We'll close out the show on the other side, and that's coming up next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, getting ready to get out of here on this uh, Tuesday night. Got a text message. I, I we should probably talk more about this tomorrow. Glenn from Absecon says, if you're a projected top pick, all you should have to do is send your film and tell these teams. The film shows you how I play football. For a projected top pick to participate in the combine can only hurt them. Well, that's my point. If you go to the combine and you're hurt because you're not good enough, the team should know that. And that's why they need to be there. What are you hiding? If you're not good enough, that's your fault, not mine. More Sports Bash tomorrow. Uh, right there, that's the contest sounder. Baltimore, Phillies, Phillies sports trips, Camden Yards. Who wants to go? Caller 7 right now, 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller number 7, you're entered for a chance to win that trip to Baltimore's. Camden Yards, thanks to Philly Sports Trips. You must be present to win at our Phillies opening day watch party March 28th at Maynard's and Margate. First pitch, 3 o'clock. We'll all be there watching the game. Everyone's invited, but Caller 7, they have a chance to win that trip to Baltimore on the bus the Philly Sports Trips. Round trip transportation, lower level tickets to the game, 609-573-3776. Good luck. I'll talk to you tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.